Wilson, Dustin Fox. It is a F-Off Friday. It is a football Friday. It is a super wild card weekend Friday. I am I am amped. Dude, I'm I am so, ready. Dude, I'm wearing my Browns gear this morning. You got that Wacko for Flacco jersey over I got, there? I, I got three of them. You got three Flacco jerseys. Let's just go ahead. Let's, Let's just get vibe. ready. Let's, Let's get ready. Come on. Are you ready? I'm getting there. I can just tell you, this whole week, it's been kind of a hurry up and wait week, right? It, because the schedule's been thrown off because it's a Saturday game. And I just woke up today ready to fight a Texans fan. Not literally, because there's like three of them. But I just woke up ready to like... I don't even l- think... Like, Texans fans can't even be mean. I don't... Well, and also, I don't want to be mean to them. Because if it weren't for the fact that they were your first-round matchup, they're one of the coolest stories in the NFL. Yeah. That's really what this game is. This game is a matchup of two of the coolest stories in the NFL going. Uh, uh, the team that had the number two pick in the draft last year, now they're the number four seed in the AFC, about to lose to Cleveland. And a team that started four quarterbacks this year being led by a 38- to 39-year-old quarterback. Now, I, I see that we have some Ohio State news. Keith, real quick. JT Tuimoliao. I don't even know how you pronounce it. Tuimoliao. Yeah, he's returning for a senior season. Instagram, uh, he has whoa, put whoa, on his Instagram, whoa. he is returning. Uh, that is legitimate shocking. Like, that's that's holy crap. I, I was mocked by Anthony Lima this morning on the morning show where they do not have a slogan, nor do they play a song like we just did. And that's, they never chant, do they? And they never chant. That's They 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 have said death before chance. That's I believe that's the show. This guy, what's this guy's last name again? Uh, Chewy Molowal. Chewy Molowal. Chewy Molowal. Chewy Molowal. Chewy Molowal. Now, chanting's our thing now, too. Um, this is, outside of Marvin and Travion Henderson, this is the biggest... The next biggest return you could have. Yeah, he's first round pick. And you put him with Denzel Burke, who was their best cornerback by a, a wide margin this year. Uh, you throw in uh, Emeka Abuka. You throw in any of the other guys. Donovan Jackson. Hopefully, he'll do a better job of blocking this year. Like that's Ohio State. For anybody that the sky is falling, I will say I think you're bringing back a lot of a really nice team, and the more talent you pair with that, and maybe a better quarterback. I think it's okay to be excited about Ohio State. It is safe to be uh, excited about uh, Ohio State again. And you know what? I just I, I kind of lost some of my Ohio Browns State buzz. Again. You gotta have your mic on for that. That's a good bit. Ohio State again. I think we gotta bring back the song because I just don't think it's been heard enough in this town while we're talking about it. Yeah, I was thinking a lot about this game, and it's funny because I don't think the Browns have been besmirched or disrespected by the national media, mostly because. I think this game has more been ignored because there are other more prestigious brands, meaning like the Browns have some level of prestige and knowledge about them, and and there's a favoritism from the national media to talk about the Browns because they know when you talk Browns, Browns fans listen. But, you know, Browns-Texans isn't the same as Bill Steelers. Uh, Even Chiefs and Dolphins, because of the Chiefs' history and what they've done recently in Mahomes versus – uh, who I think is another kind of favorite. Uh, the, the Dolphins, even though they don't have quite the illustrious history as you know, maybe the Steelers or maybe even the Chiefs do at this point, there's still some favoritism there. It's Miami. However, so I think that my greater point is not the, the game has been more ignored than the other th- two matchups in the AFC. But I will say, like, I don't think people have looked down on the Browns. I think it's just a classic case of, no one's going to respect a team starting their fourth quarterback in a 39-year-old quarterback until you see them in the playoffs, until you see them win a game, specifically like this game. 
And so, like, that to me is, like, that. I really got... I mean, do we count the Houston Oilers as, like, kind of like a little rivalry with the Brownies? Um, Yeah, but not the Texans. Just, like, the Oilers were in the division with you for forever, the and Central. it was Warren versus yeah. Bernie and all that, but, like... Unfortunately, that the the Oilers Browns thing just never transferred because both of these are expansion teams and they've never played in the same division. I wonder though. I do wonder if this was Browns v Oilers instead of whatever a Texan is. Um, I would wonder if maybe there'd be a little bit more excitement simply because of that Warren versus Bernie and um, I almost said Jeff Fisher. You know, Jerry Glanville versus Marty. Um, Bum Phillips versus Rotigliano and Marty just playing in the same division for roughly 30 years. But like to me, this is the moment where the I, I just this is the prove it moment. And that just gets me like I just I'm happy for this team. I'm happy for this town. And I'm ready for any hair tussling that is out there. Oh, the Browns are a nice story, right? Oh, you got a 39-year-old quarterback. Any of that that exists. And guys. Honestly, that's been a lot of the media coverage of the Browns for as long as the Browns have been back because the Browns have never been taken seriously because they've never been good enough for long enough to be taken seriously. And so, you know, I know there was the playoff win against Pittsburgh four years ago. That is, in in, in a way, a different team. Same coach, same Miles Garrett, same Batonio, same Teller, same um, Denzel Ward. But, like, look at the roster. This team is with no Nick Chubb, who would have been one of the big parts of that team, with no um, – with Jed Wills and Jack Conklin not being healthy. Your weapons are different outside of David and Joku and, and Nick Chubb. Like, I think this is a moment. This just – I think this is a moment for the Browns to change how people think about them in the AFC. And I just yeah. – that really, like, that pumps like, like, me up. Here we go again. Yeah, like – well, no, no, but here we go again for the first time because <laughs> it is an opportunity. Like, even though the Browns are favorite, you you kind of brought this up. And ever since you and I had the conversation about, um, I don't see 19, any. You're really into this. Never heard that before. I know. It's, I'm glad that you're into it, though, because it's good. Now it's kind of stuck in my head. Um, 216-474-0092. What should our slogan be for this game or for the Browns this postseason? Because I, I don't think we we were like, here we go, Browns. No, that's, I mean, here we go, Brownies is a little generic, super something. I what, don't what, know. What about something in terms of the Texans? Like, you know, like. Bleep the Texans. No, it's not like, really. Like when you're in Buffalo, like, they say squish the fish. Uh-huh. For the Dolphins. Um, we got to think of something. Neuter the Texans? Is that. Neuter? Uh, is that, well, what do you do to a steer? I don't think we can say it on air. Chop them off? I don't know. Chop, like, like, chop off their deals? We're still working on it. I think it should be more pro-Browns than anti-Texans. Let's brainstorm this. Because it's a one, it's a one-time deal. But we will take your submissions on this. Uh, we do have Jason McCourty, by the way, coming up in about 10 minutes here. Former Browns cornerback. Uh, played for Belichick as well. Won a Super Bowl with Belichick after being in Cleveland. Um, had some time in the same division with the Texans once upon a time. But... Yeah, I mean, the mo- I just I I'm really excited for this to be the first step of the Browns proving to everyone outside of Cleveland that this isn't fluky or this isn't just a good story. And I think that's where my that's where my mind was when I woke up today. Why we decided to play here we go again for the first time in station history on on this very station on this very show. Because um, well, it's I, more of an homage to to Michael because you know obviously Michael was a legend here. He was at this it, very station. Still is. 
Still oh, yes, is. yeah. His legend lives on. But for for you, that's where my head is with this. Where's where's your head at with it? Uh, I'm pretty pumped. I mean, when I got my Flacco jerseys last night, mm-hmm. pretty stoked. What about Super Bowl? No, I was going to say maybe when you got that, you were thinking something like about the Super Bowl is what I was thinking about. But again, we, we're coming up with it. I- Back of the fan, Nick Wilson, Dustin Fox on Afternoon Drive. It is a football Friday. As we've been talking about, the stakes are high. Win or go home. And uh, we have a Cleveland Brown, a former Cleveland Brown, to talk about this playoff game. The Browns and Texans in Houston tomorrow afternoon. We head out to the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline and welcome on former Browns cornerback, also former Super Bowl champion, former Patriots cornerback. He's going to be part of the coverage this weekend on Westwood One. The great Jason McCourty joins us now. Jason, welcome to the show. Oh, appreciate you guys having me. Well, it's interesting. Um, There's nothing like Cleveland in the playoffs. This town's getting ready for it. I'm curious because right now there's a two-point game. According to Vegas, the Browns are two-point favorites. I'm just curious. Do you see this as being the closest game in the AFC this weekend? I actually do. This is a a fun matchup. There's so much to look at within the matchup. I think you start right at the quarterback position. You have Joe Flacco. That when you look at the picture, he has that, that model look with the gray hair and the beard and the whole nine. He's 16 years older than the guy on the other side and CJ Stroud, the young rookie who's led his team. But I do think these are two teams that have overcome a lot to get to where they are. And this is going to be the closest matchup. I think it's going to, this game is going to be uh, the most fun of the wild card weekend. Now, you are younger than Joe Flacco. Does, does watching what Joe is doing, does that give you any uh, you know, flights of fancy here that maybe it's time to come out of uh, retirement and put the pads back on? <laughs> yeah, right. I wish I could do uh, what Joe Flacco is doing. I got a chance to talk to Joshua Cribbs last week. He called it Flacco fever. It's unbelievable <laughs> uh, how he's been able to come out of the car line from scooping the kids up straight on to the football field. And the fun thing when you watch him is obviously we know about Joe Flacco's strong arm. He's been one of the best deep ball throwers since he first entered the NFL. What's really cool to watch is him get outside of the pocket, running for his life and then throwing one to Jerome Ford versus the Jets and him taking it to the end zone. Him against the Texans the first time, having people all around him, all on his legs and throwing one on the corner to Amari Cooper. He's been nimble in the pocket. He's moved around and he's really looked good in this offense. So it's interesting you say this because, you know, in doing my own radio hits leading up to this, I've been asked a lot by Houston Sports Talk Radio and a friend or two on the the national circuit about whether or not the Flacco magic is on the verge of running out. So when you see Joe playing the way he does, do you see this as a stroke of luck the way some are painting this, or do you see this as the real deal, what he's able to do in Kevin Stefanski's offense? I don't think you can. I mean, you can't look at him and say luck. This is a guy that was a Super Bowl MVP, won seven games on the road in the playoffs, tied with Tom Brady. Like, his career has been too good to look at him and say, oh, he's just purely gotten lucky. I think when you watch Tommy DeVito with the Giants, you can say, all right, there's a young guy. He caught magic in a bottle, and he's running with it right now. But you can look at him and say, you know what, but there are deficiencies here there. I think when you look at Joe Flacco, he's doing what he was able to do throughout his career. I would say the one thing that when you look at it, there's cause for concern is 
the amount of interceptions he's had. Now, some of them will come on a Hail Mary or something like that towards the end of the game or end of the half trying to throw it up. But Joe Flacco's taking chances. He's giving his guys opportunities down the field, and sometimes that the defense has been able to take advantage of it. But obviously, when you're on the winning streak that they've been on and he's playing as well as you have, more often than not, he's winning those matchups. So it's interesting we're having this conversation. We're talking with Jason McCourty, uh, former Cleveland Browns cornerback, and of course he's going to be on the call uh, for the Browns-Texans game for Westwood One alongside Ian Eagle and A.J. Ross. And I'm, I'm just curious, like when you see this game, when you see how these two teams match up, where do you see the Browns having the advantages? I think when you look at the Cleveland Browns and you look at their defense and their ability to get after the passer and the what I love – when I turn the film on of their defense, is the way they fly around. When you look at Owusu Koromoa and Taki Taki, those guys are trying to take somebody's head off every time the ball is snapped. And as a former DB, I love watching pass coverage, whether that's a good offense being able to throw the ball around the field or in the Cleveland Browns sense of having three cornerbacks that have all played at a Pro Bowl level. I think when you watched Houston last week and they played Indianapolis, C.J. Stroud was so fun to watch throwing the ball deep to Nico Collins. And every time I felt like he got the ball in his hand, he knew where that Colts defense was going to be. Majority zone, not a lot of blitzing. You know, that's not the case with the Browns defense. I think that's one of their strengths is when you have a guy like Miles Garrett and everybody they have up front, the pressure that they put on the quarterback with as well as they cover in the back end, I think that gives them an advantage when it comes to defense. I feel like on the other side of it for Houston, they have to find a way with Devin Singletary to be able to run the ball. That's the only way to slow down this Browns pass rush and what they're able to do. If they can hit the gaps and find ways to move people, misdirections, cut back runs with Singletary, I think that's a way to slow them down and be able to get their offense going and take some of the pressure off of C.J. Stroud's screens, reverses, to try to slow down that Browns defense that just flies all over the field. So from the Browns' advantages to the Texans, where do you see the Texans having the advantage in this matchup? I think the Texans, when you look at the, the last game, um, not having C.J. Stroud, I think for them that's their biggest thing that you've got to hang your hat on is they're like, well, we couldn't get a lot going because we didn't have our quarterback. We didn't have our guy. And having him there will hopefully back up the defense and allow them to get that running game going. I think on the reverse side of it, they have to try to find a way. And I know you said advantages, but I'm looking at them of the way that they have to win this game is they have to try to find a way to get pressure on Joe Flacco. That first game – they're not a team that likes to blitz a lot, and just their four. Now, they were missing Will Anderson, Jonathan Grenard, so they were missed some of their guys to be able to get to them. But Flacco's ability to sit in the pocket and be able to make plays deep down the field to Amari Cooper absolutely killed him. So I expect him to be able to blitz a little bit more and try to speed up Joe Flacco. Now, Jason, not only do you have some experience playing here in front of uh, Cleveland Browns fans, you your time uh, in the AFC South with the Titans coincided with D'Amico Ryan's time as a player with the Texans in the AFC South. And I always love kind of stuff like this, hearing the player perspective on a guy that even though you were defense, he was defense, your team still played against each other. Did you could you tell when he was playing? Could you tell the guys that were destined to be head coaches? Could you tell D'Amico was destined to be a head coach? I wouldn't say that, just not having that personal relationship. I would say for everything that you read about him or you heard guys saying, even from those playing days, they called him Cap. So you're referring to a middle linebacker as just Cap, short for captain. And he's a guy that came in, won defensive rookie of the year, and the way he carried himself. 
I think that's where you say, oh, you know what? I have no idea what he plans to do after football, but that's a guy that if he decides to go into coaching, that'll be there with him. And we've seen it. D'Amico Ryan has gotten there, and we have a rookie head coach there, a rookie quarterback, and they found a way to not only get into the playoffs, but to win that division because of the collapse of Jacksonville. So um, just hats off to D'Amico Ryan's as he's been able to do and how he's galvanized that, that team and that organization where over the last few years, when we watched it go from David Culley to Lovey Smith and then that's everything that's transpired within them. And now he comes in, takes over, and kind of just balances out and finds a way to win in his first year. Jason, it's so interesting we're talking about this because it's kind of tough to hate the Texans from our standpoint because they are such a cool Cinderella story. They're the number two pick last year. Uh, now they're the number four seed in the AFC hosting a home playoff game in one season's time. So I just – Working theory here, why why have the Texans been able to go from number two pick in the NFL draft uh, in 2023 to the number four seed in 2024? I think when you clean house and you bring in all new people, you bring about a different energy. And the one thing that you got when Nick Cassero, the general manager, hired D'Amico Ryan, everybody from within that building, people, former players, anybody that's been affiliated with that building, everybody rejoiced. Anybody from the outside world was just like, wow, they, got, they, they did the right thing. They got the right guy. And you've seen how he's galvanized that thing, how everybody has surrounded them. And I think on top of that, when you hit in the draft, C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson, their top two picks, who went two and three, those guys are being talked about in the conversation for both offensive rookie of the year and defensive rookie of the year, and they're both captains within their first year. And then a lot of the signings that Nick Cassero was able to do, it wasn't a ton of these big-name guys that – signed massive contracts. It was a Dalton Schultz that they were able to bring in, a Devin Singletary that they were able to bring in. And those guys have provided depth for them, have made plays for them. Jimmy Ward's injured right now, but his, his, what he was able to do for them. So I think that was the biggest thing. You bring in the right mix of veterans and you draft the right guys. Well, now you hit the ground running and you're able to do some things and, and really make things go. I mean, they traded for a guy like Shaq Mason from New England who's played in Super Bowls, won Super Bowls, and you mix all of that together with the right coaching staff, and that's what we're seeing. And to your point, not to go too long, but you mentioned Cinderella team of Houston. That's what's so fun about this matchup because a lot of people that if you're just a fan of football, you hate that the Texans and the Browns are playing in the first round of the playoffs because these are two teams that you want to just root for and hope that they're able to play in the end at the AFC Championship game because as much as the Texans have overcome with the Browns and Stefanski, I mean, you lose Chubb, you lose Deshaun Watson, you lose both your offensive tackles. To go through all of that and to still be here playing in the playoffs is tremendous respect to them. Jason, when you look at the coaching matchup in this game, you got a first-year coach in, in D'Amico Ryans and Kevin Stefanski, who's been coach of the year, maybe coach of the year again this year, we don't know. Who do you think has the coaching advantage? Oh, wow. Um, you're right. These are the top two candidates for me for coach of the year. Uh, it's so hard to say that the coaching advantage when you're not meeting, you don't know the game plan or anything of that nature. I'll say in this, when you talk about those two guys, they've both been tremendous head coaches. Obviously, Bobby Sloak and his first year for Houston coming in as their offensive coordinator. I'll give the advantage for Cleveland because uh, Jim Schwartz, what Jim Schwartz has been able to do, and he's come over in his first year in Cleveland last year, you're watching me like, this team on defense has a ton of talent, but for whatever reason, they haven't been able to put it together, giving up big plays, miscommunications, different things that transpired last season. And then Jim Schwartz gets there, and this has been the best defense in football. So I think he gives them an advantage, and he's a guy that 
a lot of people aren't mentioning it as much as probably head coaching interviews, but what he's been able to do uh, coming over there in year one has been highly impressive. Jason, it's been interesting to hear people talk about the Browns because there's almost a plucky little upstart. Oh, good for you. And it's not, I don't think it's condescending, although sometimes it's been, but almost like, well, you should just be happy to be where you are because of four quarterbacks, because of the injury to Nick Chubb, because the other injury that, you know, Miles Garrett had a, a shoulder injury in the second half of the season. Denzel Ward had a, a shoulder injury in the second half of the season. So I'm just curious, like, do you look at the Browns and say that they are a true AFC contender at this point? I do. Um, nobody wants to hear that. And people say that about the Browns. They say that about the Lions because it's been so long. There's all, all of the different things that you want to play on a team. And, yeah, you can say all of those things about the Browns. Of everything they've gone through, they should be happy to be here. Any team that's in the playoffs, you should be happy to be there because I played 13 years in the league, and for the first 10 years of my career, I never sniffed the playoffs. So this is a blessing, and it's an amazing opportunity and privilege to be able to have a postseason. But for the Browns, if I'm a player on that team, if I'm a fan in that city, I could care less about just being happy that we got there. We're there now. We have a quarterback that's playing amongst the best in the NFL. We have the best defense with the best defensive player in the NFL on our side of the ball. So why the hell will we not think that we can go out there and chase after a Super Bowl? We don't want to just get up to the doorstep and not walk in to our brand new house. So I think for the Browns and their fans, like, no, we want, we want to go all the way. And how, how amazing would it be in Vegas to have a Super Bowl with the Cleveland Browns and the Detroit Lions, two teams that have never been there before? Well, that'd be amazing, no doubt about that. Jason McCourty with us on the hotline. Jason, you know, obviously the news came came down with Bill Belichick uh, parting ways, fired, whatever you want to call it. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but he's not going to be coaching for the Patriots anymore. But you played for him, and you played for other teams as well. Was there something Bill Belichick did that made him different than other coaches? Yeah, I think with Bill... He, he he was so consistent, and obviously you've heard so much things over the years, the Patriot way and all the different things that come along with being a New England Patriot. For me, I went there, I was in 2018, I was after the year I spent in Cleveland, and what I was fascinated by with Bill and that staff is you go there and you think that you're walking into like a military base and you're not going to be able to do anything. And the year I spent in Cleveland, I remember having to be at every meeting at least five minutes early because she wanted to start every meeting early. You had to wear brown shorts and a gray brown T-shirt to every single meeting. If you didn't, it, was, it would be an issue. I get to New England the next year. I remember my very first meeting off-season workouts. I'm sitting in the locker room. First meeting's at 8 o'clock, and it's 7.58. And the entire team is still sitting in the locker room laughing, joking. I look at my brother who was on the team with me, and I go, Yo, uh, we, the meeting don't stop. He's like, oh, no, no, we're good. No one's late until 8.01. And everybody walks in the meeting at like 59.30 and just walking by and Bill's in the front. Hey, good morning. Welcome in. And I was so shocked because I thought totally different of what it was going to be versus really, really what it really was. And with Bill, it was all about football, X's and O's. When we get between the white lines, do your job and execute well. If you can do that and you can play football, this is the place for you. All the other nonsense and different things that go on, what you wear at a meeting, if you have your hood on, I don't care about any of those things. You deal with that stuff on your own time. Once we clock in and it's time to play football, we're all here for the same goal. And I think sometimes with any team or any coach or anything, you can get caught up with a lot of those other things, and Bill never did. Emotion, totally out of it. It was all X's and O's. And for me at that point in my career, 
I really loved that and respected it because I didn't want to have a coach come in and asking me about, hey, how is this that? How are we going to win this game on Sunday? Is that the way? All right, let's do it. And that's what he was every single day. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. So with that, before we let you go, it is time for predictions. If you got one here, and just remember you are on air in Cleveland, just if that will help. See, I got no predictions for you. We did it on our show today. And when you're calling the game, you can't be biased or have any prediction. You got to stay flat down the line. I go back and I lean on the fact that how we started this thing, most competitive game on Super Wildcard Weekend, Browns and Texans. I know I couldn't shake a professional. Uh, Jason, great stuff, buddy. Appreciate you. Enjoy the game. And who knows if this thing goes well this weekend, maybe at some point we get to hear you call uh, yet another game this, uh, this uh, playoffs for the Cleveland Browns. Sounds good. Thanks for having me anytime. Jason McCourty there on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Great stuff with him. we got to react to what he said about the Browns, their chances to win, and more on 92.3 The Fan. We just had Jason McCourty on. That was the other thing. I also completely disregard the fact we have a, a rejoin, and here's Jason McCourty on the Browns-Texans game. I'll give the advantage for Cleveland because uh, Jim Schwartz. What Jim Schwartz has been able to do, he's come over in his first year in Cleveland last year. You're watching me like, this team on defense has a ton of talent, but for whatever reason, they haven't been able to put it together, giving up big plays, miscommunications, different things that transpired last season. And then Jim Schwartz gets there, and this has been the best defense in football. So I think he gives them an advantage, and he's a guy that a lot of people aren't mentioning as much as probably head coaching interviews, but what he's been able to do coming over there in year one has been highly impressive. Dustin, I have the utmost respect for D'Amico Ryans. I think he does have a chance to be a really special head coach. And I love when there's a coach with a connection to a town or to a team that has a chance to elevate them off of anything they've previously done. However, I think the one thing we haven't talked enough about is the experience advantage when it comes to coaches. You know, D'Amico Ryans has been in the playoffs as an assistant coach. It is completely different when your ass is, sits 18 inches to the left or the right, whether you're the second, you know, whether you're the DC, whether you're linebackers coach, and then to be the head coach. And not just that, but Bobby Slocan is his first year as a, a coordinator. Um, Matt Burke, who I think is their, Matt Burke, who is their uh, defensive coordinator. I think it's his first year as a defensive coordinator heading into the playoffs. Whereas with the Browns, Stefanski's won a playoff game before, and this is his second uh, you know, trip to the playoffs. You do have Jim Schwartz, who is coached in Super Bowls. You do have Jim Schwartz, who's been a head coach himself. You've got Bill Callahan, who's coached in Super Bowls and been a head coach himself. Alex Van Pelt, from his time as a player and as a coach, back with Green Bay. Like That is one area that I do think... Even if you think D'Amico Ryans and Bobby Slowick are on the level of just overall ability as coaches as Stefanski and Schwartz, which I don't necessarily think. I think they're very good. I just think this is where you prove it. But I think the experience factor from the coaching side is as huge as the player advantage of Joe Flacco, Miles Garrett, and all the guys who've been to the playoffs for the Browns. Yeah, I, I, I agree. You know, I, I think Stefanski you know, being here before and not just being in the playoffs before, even though he coached from his basement, he's still prepared for the game and he got the team there. Like this guy is, is coached through adversity. He knows how to, how to deal with, you know, tough situations. I do think the Browns have a huge advantage when it comes to, to coaches in this game. 216-474-0092. Where do you see the advantages with the Browns in this game? We're going to have more on that in a second. We do have Jason Pinkston coming up in just about 15 minutes here. Uh, Kalissa, welcome to the show. 
Hey, Nick and Dustin. Super hey, Bowl, Super Brown. That's such a so, good slogan. That, we should use that. That's a good slogan. I like that. I love it. Listen, can you imagine being seven, uh, Steven Stavansky right now? Like, he's going to wake up tomorrow. All of us in Cleveland, all around Ohio, we are looking at him to see what is he going to deliver? Is he going to get his players to execute? execute? I mean, can you just imagine being in his shoes right now? With all that being said, with, we do have the coaches, we do have the players, but could you imagine the weight when he puts his shoes on tomorrow, what he's dealing with when he walks out on that field? I love you guys. I love your show. Thank you for taking my call. Calissa, that Thank was you very for nice making of the you. call. Uh, I could not imagine being Steven Stefanski right now. Is that no, like is that relative? Nor could I be Kevin Stefanski right now. I just think those are the two guys I could not <laughs> now I'll also say though, I think this is kind of the advantage of Stefanski, right? Like this is the moment where you this is the the advantage of Kevin's personality is that he's supposed to be the same guy every year. And I think it's fascinating because we have seen a little bit more emotion from him on the sidelines. And I don't know how much of that is is the impact of having Schwartz and Ventrone, guys who are a little bit more emotional and fired up. And I don't know how much of that is just I think Kevin might be getting more comfortable being the head coach and might feel more comfortable now that they've had and, – and, and this year they've been able to win in spite of everything and had two playoff trips in in four years. I think, I think, I think the Stefanski part of this is always the more fascinating part. But I, I will say, I think if we said – who has the coaching advantage? I think a lot of people would agree with Jason McCourty. The people in Cleveland are going to give the advantage to you, the Cleveland Browns, because of Jim Schwartz. And not necessarily Stefanski, which I think is unfair to Kevin. But I think the other places, like I think there's one place where they have the potential advantage, and it's a quarterback spot. I think everywhere else, like if we go defense against defense, they're kind of a middle-of-the-road defense. They've got some nice young players. But they're, statistically, they're not one of the 10 best defenses in the NFL. You're the best, you know, the highest ranked defense in the NFL. The first time since, I think, the the late 50s for the Cleveland Browns to be the number one defense in the NFL. So I think defensively, you've got to win. I, I Honestly, even though the tackles for most of the year were a, a bit of a concern, I think given the way they played, uh, Jerron Christian and James Hudson – I think your offensive line, I think you've got the better offensive line because I think you have the ability to protect a guy like Joe Flacco, who even though they've moved him around a little bit, like you need to protect him more than you do Stroud to get the best out of him, and they've done that. I think weapons, I'll take what the Browns have because they've got Nico Collins and Dalton Schultz, but you've got Amari, you've got Njoku, you've got Elijah Moore, you've got Jerome Ford. I do like Devin Singletary, but like I just that maybe that's where my confidence and excitement is going for this game is I just look at this and it's like, yeah, their advantage is they've got kind of a magical young quarterback who doesn't turn the ball over. You've got a magical older quarterback who does turn the ball over. That's where the the advantage goes. I'm still I'm still like a little teetering on on the quarterback advantage thing. Mm-hmm. Because I think they got the talent, but I think we have the experience. I like that. I like the way you put that. When we talked earlier, it definitely felt like we we kind of agreed on, you know, that kid might have more just natural talent. Let's say, you know, he's younger. Um, he's more athletic. He really, I mean, 
he he's just kind of the thing that makes their engine go. Yeah. And I, I'm talking about just in totality. Like, the energy that his ability to score points and to, to get yardage, that informs the defense. And because he can sustain drives by himself with a very inconsistent running game, I think that's bailed out the defense to some degree. Yeah. And that and and the fact that they can get after the quarterback. That's the other kind of amplifier. Um but maybe that's the second thing that I might give to Houston. Is well, they've got two really nice edge rushers and if your tackles don't have a good day, that could be something that makes this game closer. But like coaching, I'm going to give it to the Browns because it's experience. Has has, has CJ Stroud faced a pass rush like the Browns this season? I'm sure he has, but I don't think he's faced it consistently. Like, go back it, and look at their schedule. Like, in fairness, I'm not. I feel like I'm going to bag the Texans now. Um, they don't have a lot of good wins. Yeah, you know, they don't I mean, have a they, lot of they great. They faced wins. a pretty good pass rush last week mm-hmm. against the Colts. Yeah, what's his face? Um, oh God, who, who's the who's the one DN who was just in the backfield all day? Uh, no, um, his name escapes me. Yeah, you're putting me on the spot now. My brain is I mean, is cramping out on air. I am. Yeah, at least in the moment. Um, I'm looking at their schedule, just trying to see like some of the good defenses they. But like they beat Pittsburgh, but it was early in the season when Pittsburgh was in the middle of their funk. Remember after beating the the Browns, the 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 Pitts, the Steelers went on a little schneid there. That's what, and they beat the Steelers like thirty to six in one of CJ's best starts early. Um, but like that's the that's the one, that's the one, and they didn't have Cam Hayward at the time as well. Pittsburgh didn't. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think they've in, – in recent weeks, outside of maybe the Colts with one pass rusher, I don't think they've seen a, a defense like this. A former Cleveland Brown offensive lineman in his own right, man who I'm pretty sure is going to be as excited as we are, Jason Pinkston. Pink, welcome to the show, bud. What's going on, fellas? Well, welcome to the playoffs, buddy. Happy, uh, happy playoff Friday. It's playoff Friday. Couldn't be a better Friday. I got to kind of, we, we, we like to do a vibe check occasionally on this show. I just got a vibe check with you where, where, where's your confidence heading into this game with the Browns? I, I'm, I'm pretty confident. I, I feel really good about this game. Uh, I feel good about our team, the things we've been able to do this year. Um, I, I'm happy. You know, we got Joe Flacco in there. Coach Stefanski's, you know, doing his thing. He got that guy clicking. Uh, the defense is coming together. Uh, we're getting some guys back healthy at the right time. I would like to think, um, and we're, we're 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 I'm ready. I'm ready for it. I can't wait till the, it's, it's game day. Pink, when it comes to Joe Flacco and Flacco magic, do you have any concern about it continuing on in the postseason? You know what? I, I'm not too concerned. He's been there. He's a veteran player. He's won in the playoffs. Won a, won a Super Bowl. I, I feel very confident in what he um, – I'm excited for it. I, I'm actually happy that we have a veteran guy there with some experience. He could be that calming factor um, that we need in the huddle for uh, both sides of the ball. I, I've seen that he's been very vocal this week, you know, talking to the team, getting everyone prepared. Um, you know, it, it, it's a good thing. I feel like we're in a, we're in a good situation. Uh, obviously, we're going against a, a, a good Houston, Texas – Houston Texans team that we we beat earlier this year, but uh, they were out without their quarterback, and and I think it's going to be a big test for us, and I I think we'll be able to do what we need to do to to get a win. 
You know, in terms of the the coaching advantage in this game, Nick and I were just talking about this. You know, D'Amico is is a young guy. He's really turned that team around rather quickly. Uh, very similar to what Stefanski did, you know, in his his first couple of years here in Cleveland. But now Stefanski's been here, you know, four years. He's had a playoff win under his belt and all these things. Like, how how valuable is that in terms of a game like this? I think that is pretty valuable, um, just having that experience. Um, it, it was kind of tough for Coach Stefanski because, obviously, he was he was coaching from the basement, but he was involved in the preparation and getting the team ready for that game. So, you know, I, I kind of give him that credit for the for that playoff win. Um, it, it's nice to, for us to be on the side of having those things fall, fall in place for us where we do have some experience uh, experienced coaching and the playoffs and, and, and some experienced players who've played in playoff games and won, I, I think that does give us a huge advantage. Um, I, I feel like, you know, when you're going down the stretch in these, these playoff games, clock management is, is, is very, very key and determinant in getting points. And I, I think that will come down to it. You know, I'm, I'm not – obviously, I – you know, I, I don't – I want to win, right? So I, I want I want to see them have some of those – you know, first-time coaching mistakes in the playoffs that that the Browns can capitalize on. Anything that we can do to get a win uh, is a positive for us. Jason Pinkston on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline getting us ready for Browns-Texans in Houston tomorrow, 4.30 kick. And, Pink, I'm a, I, I am a big believer in trenches matter as much as anything in the playoffs and to win a championship. I think you need to have a franchise quarterback – and be good in on both sides of the trenches. And that, by the way, that just bore fruit in uh, uh, Michigan winning the national title. So I'm curious to this game, when you look at the Browns' offensive line, we are on tackles four and five, but from left guard to right guard, you're healthy here or as healthy as you've, as you've been. Is this offensive line ready for the task of you know Jonathan Grenard and uh, and Will Anderson? You, you know what? I, I, I give those guys all the credit in the world because we were not very excited when they got in there as, as these backup roles, right? You know, we're, you're obviously we were wishing and hoping that things would have went different in that regard, but they have proven over the last half, half part of the season that they are capable backups and they can do the job and get it done. Um, I, I think those guys will be ready to accept that challenge. You know, Will Anderson was a little bit banged up. Uh, the first time we played them, I'm expecting him obviously to be a little bit more healthy. But I have full confidence in that group. Um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a group of fighters that they've shown that they're going to stick together, they're going to battle it out, and they're going to do what's necessary to win the game. And it will come down to our offensive line performing and our defensive line performing as well. And I, I feel really good about it on what we've done throughout the year and the games we won. And, and they, were, they weren't easy games. They were tough games down the stretch there that we won. And I, I do feel confident with that. And obviously the, the more reps that they've got, they've got better. So I'm expecting them to take another step come this weekend. You know, we did get some, some interesting news on, I believe it was Wednesday, uh, Denzel Ward was uh, limited in practice. In fact, I think he actually kind of tweaked his knee in practice. Uh, sounds like he's probably going to give it a go in the game tomorrow. But boy, we we sure need him. How big of a loss would that be if he's not 100? percent That would be a huge loss. I mean, Denzel Ward is you know he's an All Pro cornerback. Um, he he does things the right way. 
he 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 is he's a, a one of your your guys that you can count on in pass coverage if you're going to man somebody up a little bit more and take away a receiver that would be a huge loss for us um i'm i'm hoping he's okay and it it wasn't something major uh maybe the doctor can help him out with a little something to get him through it but uh that that would be a huge loss for us i mean he's been he's been one of the the most solid cornerbacks that we've had in the past years and i'm i'm i i cringe when i heard that news of obviously of him tweaking the knee a little bit, but hopefully it's not as significant as we that we thought it was, and, and that their team is, is letting us know. So hopefully he's good to go and he's ready to rock because he's a big time player and he makes plays. Pink of all the AFC games uh, this uh, this weekend, the Browns Texans is the closest in Vegas. It, it started I think at two and a half. I think it's now. Last time I looked, I think it was uh, Browns are two point favorites on the road. Is that what you expect out of this game, or do you expect a more comfortable win for the Cleveland Browns? Um, you know, when when you get into the playoffs, I, I hate like you know predictions and lines like that because anything can happen. Uh, you you look back at the, the the Browns' last playoff win, and you know I know myself did not expect that game to to go the way it did. You know, you open up with a snap over the head for a touchdown, and then multiple you know, turnovers, and I mean, it, it's just so crazy. Um, you you never know what can happen. I, I think it's going to be, and so, no doubt it's going to be a great game. I think they that the Texans, like you said, D'Amico uh, Ryan's has done a fantastic job. C.J. Stroud has proven that he can throw the ball and swing it. Um, I, I, I think it'll be a closer game. I think there's going to be a portion of the game where we're trying to fill each other out and, you know, we're, we're, we're playing it safe. And then I expect it to open up. I expect our defense to really come alive. And, you know, I expect that defensive line to really hunt and get after C.J. Stroud and make him uncomfortable. And, 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 and I expect Jim Schwartz to, you know, throw some blitzes at him to get him off his spot, to get him moving in the pocket. But I, I think when it comes down to it, if, if, if we can control uh, the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball and we don't let C.J. Stroud beat us, um, I, I think we can win this game by at least eight points. Um, that, was, that was my thought when I was thinking about it and I was trying to analyze the game on how it was going to go. I know um, it's going to be a good game, I, I, but I think we can win this game by eight points. And I know Vegas has it close. Um, but, you know, that's that's not for me. I, I don't really bet on the games too often. I just like to watch them and, and, and root for our teams to win, and I look at the matchups and, and where we can take advantage of them. So I, I think it'll be a it'll be a pretty even game to start out, but I think that we can we can definitely we definitely have the tools and, and the players to, to to win the game and, and pull away from this team. Uh, a quick point to make is Denzel Ward has just released a hype video on his Twitter account, and uh, that would indicate he's playing, and that would indicate something very good. Of course, he was he was called okay, but still listen is questionable. I, I believe the phrase in it is "Let's get it." So. Uh, pump me up a little more, why don't you, Denzel? Uh, I do want to ask oh, you, yeah. though, as you are in Yinzertown, one, how are you taking in this game tomorrow? And then, two, I got to know what level of playoffs do the Browns need to get to where you need to come back to Cleveland, even if it's not here in Cleveland, where you need to be in Cleveland to see the Browns play what level of playoff game? You know, obviously, I, I, I want to see them win this game. This is a very winnable game. I think we, I, I think we are truly the better team. And, and, and honestly, I, I I feel like that first playoff game is, is is always like the hardest. It's like it's it reminds me of like the first game of the season because you just don't know. Um, you know, teams change up things a little bit. 
and, and you just don't know how it's going to go and, and, and the reaction and, and the, the, the hype of the game. It's, it's, it's win or win or go home. If we can get past this game and we can win this game, I think I love our chances going into Baltimore just because the fact that they rested their players and they're going to be, what, two to three weeks out from playing a football game with all the starters. I like our chances going into that game if we can be, get past Houston and win it. Um, if we beat Baltimore, then <laughs> I'm, I'm going to start banging on the drum of, of here we come. Uh, Super Bowl, but I don't want to get ahead of myself just quite yet. But if, if we can, if we win one game, that's that, that's that's fantastic. I think with everything that's went on this season with the injuries, I don't think anyone has expected us to be where we are. But I, I'm definitely expecting them to win this game and go into Baltimore and, and and have a shot at winning that game. Has Joe Flacco done enough in in this um, four game winning winning streak here uh, to warrant buying a jersey? Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. I'd say, I'd say go out and, and, and get your son or your daughter, whoever it may be, wants the jersey. I would definitely spend the money and get that jersey. I thought you were going elsewhere with that question. I thought you were going to ask about maybe signing him back for next year. I thought we were going there yet. Not I'm yet, not yet, not yet. That'll be most of the offseason there, Jason. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't go that direction yet. All right, last question for me. You know, so let's say the Browns win tomorrow. Let's not say the Browns are going to win tomorrow. Yes. And when the Browns win tomorrow, Absolutely. on Sunday, should Browns fans be rooting for Pittsburgh to beat the Bills so that they could have a home game in the divisional round? Oh, uh, that's t- uh, yeah. You know what? I'm all for a home game. So if that's what it takes to get us a home game, absolutely. I'm here for it. I'm absolutely 100% here for it. I think a home playoff game in Cleveland, the atmosphere would be unbelievable, incredible. Um, those, I, I think the city deserves that. The fans deserve it. The, the team deserves that. There's some, there's some guys that have been really cheering for this team to get to that point. If, if we can get a home playoff game, I'm all for it. Hank, excellent stuff, buddy. Oh, real quick, before we let you go, official prediction time. So I like the Browns 28-20, okay? I, I, I know that's kind of, I, I, like I said, I hate the predictions, but I, I love us 28-20. I think we our, our defense does play well. I, I, I think the offense and Joe Flacco picks off from where we left off. I think we run the ball pretty well. Um, we, we, I just want to see a win, man. I, I think this, this team has done so well. They fought through all the adversity. The city deserves it. The, the, the fans, the team, everyone deserves this win. And, and listen, I, I think we can. We, we win this game. I think we're in, we're in great shape moving forward. And, and I'm, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm here for everything that comes with a Browns win this weekend. I want to get back to Cleveland. If we get in a home playoff game, I'll be out there shirtless. I ain't going to go skins all the way, but I'll be out there shirtless in the dog pound. I don't drink beer. I'll drink a Pepsi. But whatever we got to do to get a win, I'm here for it. Pink, we love to hear it, buddy. Enjoy the game, and hopefully next week we're talking about the Browns heading into the divisional round. Yes, sir. Go Browns. Have a good weekend, guys. Stay warm. You too. Jason Pinkston there. What I think Pink did a really great job there of laying out is when you first – that first round of the playoffs – we know who these teams are, right? And in fairness, we have seen these two teams match up, even if it wasn't these Texans, what, three or four weeks ago. But the the unknown of the playoffs is always the big concern in the first round. 
how each team's going to handle the adversity of the playoffs. You know, like for the for the Texans, to me, the unknown is, you know, the Texans just didn't beat a lot of good teams this year. So I think that's the unknown. Like, all right, you're actually playing one of the five best teams in the AFC. How do you match up against a team that has natural answers for your best things, which includes C.J. Stroud, Nico Collins, and their um, and and their pass defense? You know, Joe Flacco should be able to exploit that. So, with the Browns, it's just the the kernel of doubt or the unknown is, all right, how's this defense going to travel? And I really think, and and maybe how do you handle it the last couple of weeks? So to me, the unknown is what's adding so much intrigue. If the Browns had played last week and they had been able to play to the final moment and were coming off a win here and, you know, Joe had dropped another 300-yard performance and the defense had continued to do what they had done in December, I don't think I'd have any, I don't say doubts because you always have doubts It's the playoffs. But I don't think I'd be really concerned at all. Well, the other thing, too, is, I mean, the the Texans basically had to play a playoff game already. They had to give it their all. That was a that was a win and get in type of game. So they've already had that mentality for a week mm -hmm. where they gave it their all. The Browns yeah. had a chance to rest yeah. going into this game. So they're going to be fresher than the Houston Texans are. Well, and the other thing that's interesting is the the, the Texans have really had to play one win or die game. The Browns have kind of had to play that kind of football every single week this year because of the injuries, because you just didn't know. It's that next man up idea. What what is what's the Stefanski cliche? One one game at a time. Right? We gotta go one and oh. That's what it is. Gotta go one and oh. And I don't think I've and this is so I haven't covered Houston at all this year to know, outside of the game that we we saw a couple weeks back, I haven't covered them enough to know whether they kind of have that similar mentality. But I can tell you, you know, Kevin Stefanski's been talking about we got to go 1-0 and for four years, and this is the first team that I've heard them say it that I don't think it sounds like they're – like it's it's a tongue-in-cheek thing or like I think they're fully bought into the idea of we got to go 1-0. and Yeah. And again, that isn't I don't know. Does that transfer the playoffs? I think it does. And so I, I, think, I think this is a really interesting spot for both teams. And – I just I I just have a great feeling about the Browns. I do, and it feels, and I I almost don't want to say it on air because we're just so used to the old Brownsian things. But like I felt like the regular season was about us shedding the previous oh same old Browns or the Brownsian mentality. I feel like the postseason could be that as well. You know, you you go on the road, the defense travels well, um, which they they did the first time in in Houston. And they did well against, uh, in the second half at least, against uh, Baltimore. They did, I actually think the defense should get more credit for that Pittsburgh game because they weren't the reason they lost. Like, by and large, this is kind of that moment of, all right, prove it. They're going to prove it. I think they are. Do, do not prove it. I will tell you. I'm, I'm going to prove, prove it. it. <laughs> I will tell you, though. I'm not changing my viewing habits on this game. Um, for the first week in the playoffs, I'm not doing it. I can't do it. I am. All right. Well, so, what are your viewing habits? So, obviously, when the regular season games are here, I've gone to plenty of them. But this is the first year that I have have really at home in front of the TV watched Browns game just in my in my lonesome, and I've really enjoyed it because this year has 
has been uh, uh, the cardiac kids, and it is has made me a nervous Nelly damn near every week. Um, and I, I'm going to continue that this weekend. Yeah, like, I'm, gonna, I, I, I'm I'm going to just watch it at home. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it on every TV in my house. I'm gonna play it through every Sonos speaker in my house where, where I hear it in every room in case I go to the go, have to go to the bathroom. I'm gonna be able to hear it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to hear it all, and I am going to be as locked in as I have been probably more than than every game. I mean, a lot of times I'm even traveling like on Sunday, so like sometimes I might miss a quarter, so I gotta listen to the radio, then get home and like watch the end of it. No, no, no. I'm in. I'm in. I'm I'm, I'm watching the countdown on Channel Five. It, right up until kickoff. Like, listen, listen to the pregame show right here on the fan. Like we even did, like we had a conversation leading up with the girls where I'm like, I, if you want to watch the game with me, this is cool. I want you to watch the game with me if you want to, but we're not, you know, we're not having the, the, the switch going in the room. We're not having, uh, we're not watching Instagram reels on our phone. Yeah, my, that's going to distract my, from my the, sound. The tech is going down. Yes. This is going to be, it's going to be a very, I, I need to be able to focus on this game, all my energy. And what I think is interesting is me and my friends are already having the conversation about, all right, when, cause one friend lives in Troy, yeah. another lives in Chicago Another lives in Charlotte, so the question is, like, at what are you, point? Are you guys going to have like a like a Zoom meeting? Like, well, at what point do we do like, like COVID? A, like, have a, like a, a Zoom party? At what point do we do like a Brown Summit, where we either meet up somewhere, meaning like we try and triangulate, probably not from Charlotte to Troy to to Chicago, but from like from Manaway to Chicago to Troy. All right, where's the place we can meet up? Because like, you win this game, like this is kind of one of those things where it's like the all right, I don't want to. It's the first round of the playoffs. But like once you get to a home home playoff game next weekend, if that were to happen, then it's a definite. But like you get to the AFC title game. I can't watch that game alone. Like I there we're getting to a point where the deeper you get into the playoffs, the more I'm going to need to be either around more Browns fans and people who I know in my life who are Browns fans that we commiserate with, or I'm gonna have to be downtown. And I like to Usually, when this is the factor, is like when the Guardians have been in like the 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 championship series or in like the league championship series, right? Either the ALCS or the World Series. Um, with the Cavs, when the Cavs were in the finals, there was just nothing better than being downtown, even if the Cavs weren't physically playing here, right? Right. And I kind of feel like even if the Browns don't get a, a second round matchup, the divisional round at home. I kind of feel like next week is the week where I got to start. I'm going to have to get out of my shell and I'm going to have to get get off my fat ass and go be around other Browns fans so that I can just soak up that energy. Because I like we've talked about um, AFC title stuff. Like we've talked about, um, you know, the hypothetical Super Bowl runs. The reality is none of us know what that's going to be like. Meaning like it's it's every, once you get past the divisional round, assuming that happens – everything's going to be completely new. And I, to me, I think it is probably the divisional round or the AFC championship. You get into – the deeper you go, I'm going to have to make plans every week because just sit – I got a beautiful 70-inch TV. It's not going to be enough. I'm going to need to be around other people. And here's the thing. I'm a bit of a hermit, all right? I, I like to sit on my porch in Manaway and whittle. I like to be out in hillbilly country. I can't do that with the Browns in the playoffs. Like I, I, I will need to commit. I need like that energy. I'll talk to strangers for once in my life. I'll tell you what. I'm gonna put ten dimes on the Browns. 
I'm going to take half a gummy. Then I'm going to take another gummy. And then I'm going to take another gummy. And I put another 10 dimes on the Browns. So for me, it's next week. Uh, hypothetically, if they, they continue on there, at what point is it like viewing party? At what point is it, all right, we got we to gotta make a party at a bar. At what point is it, do you have to be downtown for a playoff run where yeah, you, you start I, to change your viewing habits? Boy, I, I don't know about that. I mean, my, my viewing habits, I, I, I usually watch it in, in my, uh, my living room. Mm-hmm. On the 85. Mm-hmm. Beautiful TV. Mm-hmm. I will go. I'll pop, pop into Hooli House down the street sometimes. Good viewing viewing situation. Very there. nice viewing situation. Very nice. That whole, that whole stretch there is yeah. just from where I was when I was in high school to where it is now. It's like, why couldn't you have this when I was in high Hooli, school? We got Hooli. We got Town Tavern. Oh, the whole slate of it. You know? Your, your boy's over there. I know. Yeah. I'm going to get you to move to my hood. Uh, I need to. Yeah. I, I miss that area. How are you how are you taking in tomorrow's game? Is this a watch party situation? Are you sticking with your normal viewing habits, which is what I'm doing, which is in front of my own TV in isolation. The only real change is everybody around me knows that if you watch an Instagram reel while the Browns game is on, I will banish you to Siberia, which basically means outside in Manaway right now. <laughs> you'll just not be allowed in the house or you'll be in the basement. Um, that makes it seem a little more cruel. But 216-474-0092, how are you taking in tomorrow? And at what point, like, how far in the playoffs do the Browns need to get for you to need to be downtown when the playoff game is going on, even if they aren't playing, in, that game isn't being played in Cleveland? If they did, let me ask you this question. This is a total hypothetical. I don't even know if this is even possible. Mm-hmm. But if they open up Cleveland Browns Stadium and put the game on the TV, how many fans would show up? This weekend? I think you would have a lot. Yeah. Two weeks from now, or sorry, next week, I think you would have. Uh, like, would you have half the stadium full? I think this weekend, yeah. Even with the weather, yeah. If 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 you promised, all right. And they gave you the entertainment on the field and stuff, yes. like between commercial breaks and all yes. that stuff. All that. You could put on the full game and, display. And, but I mean, you, you, you could, here's what you could do. You could put the game on the big screen, yep. right? And you could play the Browns Radio Network. Mm-hmm. The oh, stadium. the Jimmy call. That would you be. You get the Jimmy call. That would be so awesome. Have the people awesome. in the dog pound. Oh, but I think once, by the way, you don't necessarily have to do it this weekend. You don't necessarily have to do it for next weekend if there's not a home uh, playoff game for the Browns. AFC title, I'm going to need a gigantic watch party at either the, the Q, Progressive Field, or the Q would at, be at the dope, stadium. Because I think you could you could put 20,000 in there. I think you would. I think you would be pushing people away at the Q. Because it's indoor, because of the, the Jumbotron, because of all of that. Would you charge? You just let them first come, first serve. Didn't, didn't they charge with the Cavs? You know, like five bucks, ten bucks. Yeah, and I'd pay it. I, I, I'm a cheap you-know-what, and I would pay it. It would be fun. 216-474-0092. Somebody should have thought of that. Uh, let's go with <laughs> let's go with Luke. Luke, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got? Hey, fellas, thanks for having me. Yes, sir. What What's you up, got? man? Look, guys, I, I just want to tell you a quick story, and this is why I think we should all watch the Browns game at a bar this weekend. So we had a little watch party for the Steelers game, the first playoff game, uh, what was that, three years ago? Mm-hmm. And we're sitting there, and my buddy, he's looking at his phone, he goes, oh, my God, because we all got these bets right. And he said, I'm pretty sure the Browns defense scores first. And everybody in the room went dead silent. They looked at this guy, and oh, my God, he never got invited back. <laughs> But can you, I mean, can you believe that? You can't sit around in a quiet room. And, of course, it can get a little rowdy, whatever. But people, these days, they check their phone. They sit there and they're scrolling through stuff. They can't help it. 
and I want to say something about it. I don't know. That's that's all I got, fellas. But look, I think everyone should be watching it downtown. I think when the cameras go on Cleveland, it uh, it shows something when it's when it's popping. You know, Tremont, Ohio City, everywhere. We just got to get it going. Show them that uh, we mean business this year, fellas. That's all I got. My my advice is turn your phone on. Do not disturb during the game. Yeah, that's good. For sure. That's, well, especially, like, I, I watch a lot of my stuff on Hulu, and my, my buddies Jeremy and Dan are always, like, 30 seconds ahead. Luke, we appreciate you, buddy. And the good thing is they're actually nice, so they wouldn't do that on purpose, but I can't I can't psychologically handle that at all. Because I've got, like, I'm not I'm sure about you, too, but, like, the push notifications, like, on whether it be CBS, ESPN, or even the Browns, they'll, like, send you notifications, like, right when they score. Sometimes it's, like, 10 seconds ahead of the TV. I think the Texans can win the game. I do. I think it'll be a tough game. I think they're a good team, competent team. So I would pretty much expect probably to have a close game. I just think they're solid. I think their quarterback's good. I think their defense is good. I think their defensive scheme is good. They've been competitive. I I don't think the Browns are just an amazing juggernaut at this point. So uh, it's on the road. I I think it'll be competitive. That was Mike Sando uh, last night with Jonathan Peterlin uh, on overtime with Jonathan Peterlin talking about his expectation for this game. It's funny, yesterday you and I talked about I haven't seen anybody pick the Texans. We literally talked about that on, uh, well, it was, a, I think, the 4 o'clock hour. And from that point on, all I've seen are people picking the Texans. Oh, so you're like the jinx. I think I might be the jinx. Well, okay, I'm jinxing other people's bad picks. But, like, yeah, I, I, it, I, I swear it's left and right. And I'll, I, think, I think there's a fair amount of people overrating the Texans. I don't think they're the fourth best team in the, in the AFC. I think they are a really, really nice young team, and I, I think they're going to be a son of a you-know-what to deal I mean, with. If, if Jacksonville doesn't urinate down their leg, yeah, they're in easily. Yeah, yeah. If if I mean honestly, if Jacksonville literally just I wins mean if if the one if extra the Colts game, leave Jonathan Taylor in the game, if the they Colts probably win the game. Who is the running back that dropped the ball? The young Goodson kid or Gus- yeah. Goodson. If if he just catches the damn ball, they probably lose the game. And and none of this is to say they're they're not a good team. They're a good team. Yeah, and you have to be a good team to make the playoffs. Well, to win ten games in the NFL, you gotta be you gotta have something you, going. You're you're above average. But like <laughs> I and then this is where I feel like I might be a little condescending. Mm. There's still a team. Like a bulk of those dudes are st- everything is brand new to them. This is a team who, even though D'Amico Ryans has a great future and CJ Stroud is really special. I think 90% of what makes the Texans go is C.J. Stroud. And I think if you can early in this, and I actually, you know, it's funny, I think for the Browns to to win, I'd love to see Joe Flacco have a really great game. And I think I think Joe, if Joe limits, if, if Joe doesn't have a turnover, I think you're going to win convincingly. That's how much I think the turnovers matter to, to, to the Browns' outcome in this game. I'm not saying it's going to be like a couple weeks ago. But, you know, the Browns have had so much success getting the ball first, marching down the field and scoring. And I'm not I would s- take the ball first. Um, you know, I was thinking about this. I kind of want it on the defense first. Oof. I, Do you know why? Because I haven't Cause, really cause, loved. Because you want to back them up and just set the, t- set the tone? So I th- there's part of that. I also haven't loved how the defense has responded when the offense has had great drives to start the game. Like I, I feel like, and, and I, I don't want to accuse also, them. Also, you know what would be nice, Nick? What's that? If the defense got off the field with a three and out, and the Browns started with like the ball at the forty. Yeah, I, I mean, even if you, even if you force a punt, 
but you just prove early in that game. Like, I, I think the defense sometimes is a defense that is about the vibe. I think they are. And I think if they start out lackadaisically, I think that's how this becomes the game that Mike Sando just just said. But if the Browns defense on the road, the very first drive, can go out and get to the kid or get him off his spot, and it, you don't have to turn the ball over, but that could happen over four quarters. I actually think you have as good a chance to get him to turn the ball over as any defense they've faced the last eight weeks of the season. So I, I don't think – I'm not taking to the bank that the kid's not going to turn the ball over even though he only threw five interceptions this year and faced this defense yet. But so much of this and, and the ability to win and the, the ability for us to kind of see the best version of the Browns starts with when the Browns defense hits the field, that very first uh, defensive uh, stand is a three and out or a four and out. I think that is really crucially important because I just think psychologically when that defense is locked in, once they, I don't know if anybody feels different about this. Once the defense is locked in in games, they don't really tend to let up until the game has pretty much been decided. And there were a couple games where that damn near bit them in the booty. But like, by and large, I need the defense to hit the ground running. And, and not just that. Because I think if you can do it in this matchup, there's nothing to say you couldn't do that against Baltimore, hypothet Baltimore Buffalo next week, or if you had a home game, that certainly would help. Like I, I almost would rather the defense seize the field first because there's that that concern of if the offense gets seven on the board. Um, I'm trying to think of the last game that it really stood out to me. Well, when everybody was playing, um, maybe the Jacksonville game. Were you on the board real quick, and then Jacksonville was able to get points on the board really quickly after that? Remembering correctly, something like that. I could be misremembering the game. 216-474-0092. When it comes to that, would you rather the Browns' offense has the ball first, or would you rather the Browns' defense hits the ball or hits the field first? I just, I'm ready to see this defense show the entire world, and maybe me, that they can do this in the playoffs on the road. Steve, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got for us? Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I'd like to see the defense first and set the tone as far as that goes. But I actually called about watching the game. So you were talking about how do you turn your phone off and stuff. Here's the thing. I watch on the I listen on the Odyssey app and Jimmy Donovan, and I pause the game to match it up. Well, that's about two and a half to three minutes. Well, the problem is every time something good happens, my son and grandson – in Illinois, who were watching it on Redbox or Red Network, they're calling me. So, like, how do you, you – you can't shut that off. You know, it's like I tried talking to them to, like, delay to match up to us, but they're farther than 100 miles away, so they can't match up the same as we do. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's a pickle, you know. You want my grandson to cheer, and he's, he's a Browns fan in the middle of Illinois with – Backers with Packers and Bears fans all over the place, and he's standing alone as a Browns fan for us. So I gotta, you know, cheer with them. What do you do? Um, all right. In some ways, it's the best problem to have, but yep. I think you just gotta do. I think you gotta take one because there's you gotta take one for the team because there's just no better thing than seeing your family react. You know, like um, yep. and Steve, we appreciate you, buddy. Um, yeah, I mean. 
you know, if my, my dad was uh, the other biggest Browns fan I knew in my family. Um, if, if he were alive, I wouldn't even care if it spoiled it. Friends, that's a little different. Um, acquaintances, that's a little different. But you can do, can't you do the only, like choose only a few certain people interrupt you? I'd just have it just set on your your uh, son or your grandson. That's what I'd do. Like on like the do not disturb thing? Yeah. Yeah, I just have like three people on there. Like immediate family. Am I one of them? Uh, you are not. 216-474-0092. It's literally like, it's literally like no, I get you. my two kids. I know. <laughs> and you're kind of like my... Uh, Thanks, Dad. As we talk about this game, you know, I, I tend to believe that, yes, it, it's going to be a competitive game. Houston has enough, and trying to slow down a quarterback, a potential franchise quarterback for four quarters is tough. But I think when we start to talk about the, the, the best version of the Browns versus the best version of the Texans, I think if both teams played their best on Sunday, meaning like that you could achieve the best, I think the Browns win comfortably and it starts with the defense setting the tone early in this one because when the defense has not set the tone on the road when it's taken four or five drives to 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 lock down on the opposing offense that has made some games a little bit more competitive than we've wanted them to be or maybe they should have been and that's why I would like to see the defense on the field first because I don't want to give them a chance to think oh, we just scored a touchdown, we're feeling good. I I want them to come out and set the tone. I want them to show we are here, we're not taking crap from this kid. I don't care that it's on the road because that's the way that this thing becomes a real comfortable win. If the defense sets the tone early, it gives more wiggle room for the offense, and by and large, I think if the defense sets the tone early, it, it builds, I think you win It builds the confidence, and it's, like you say, set the tone is probably the best way to put it. Because I think it puts a little fear in the in the head of the rookie quarterback, mm-hmm. and I just think, I think it just takes the pressure off the offense. You know, like if if you get a three and out to start, and then you get the ball on offense, and Joe du- Joe and Kevin do what Joe and Kevin do best, which is you know go down the field in six, seven, eight, ten plays, I and and you score a touchdown, so you start the game with a three and out on defense, and then you go with seven points. Good luck. Good luck getting back into that game if you're Houston. And that's oh man, I'm so pumped up. Let's go ahead and hear what some of you guys want to uh what what you guys want to see uh, on this game. Do you want to see the Browns offense on the field first or the Browns defense? Kevin, welcome to the show, Kevin. What's up, guys? Kevin. Kevin. Every time I call, that's what you say. I love it. Damn right. Hey, just for you and everybody else named Kevin or Gavin. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I appreciate that. Hey, there's no doubt. I, I would always like to see our defense get out there first, try to set the tone, um, maybe make a big play, get a stop, three and out like you guys have mentioned, and um, have the offense set up in a good situation. I always like to get the ball at half as well. But I did have a quick question for you guys. I wanted to see your thoughts on um, the playoff situation and schedule and how that works with why, even though, yes, I get the division winners have the home game, but why is that? Even if uh, you know we were the second or third best overall record in the AFC and we have to go on the road. I mean, I just feel like that's our, that shouldn't be the way it is. Um, you know, we got to have a week off on week 18 because we were that good. Uh, the Texans had to play their way in. We already knew we were, we were in, and they get rewarded with a home game. 
just want to hear your thoughts on that. So I, 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 I'm picking up what you're putting down, and I also don't like it. I, I think there's – so basically the NFL favors uh, divisions getting a top-four seed. And they want to they want to keep the importance they want incentiv- of the division. Yeah, incentivize that. And so, uh, the 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 ti- the Texans I must come the Titans. The, the Texans were the worst of all the four division winners, and that's how they got the four seed ahead of the Browns, who have one more win than them. Um, what I would say overall is I just don't like the fact that it's not consistent. Like the reason why it matters whether the Browns would be the five seed this year or a three seed is not just based off home field advantage for this first round of the playoffs or beyond. It's also because what happens around you in the playoff matters. So if the Browns, Dolphins, and Steelers all win this weekend, all of a sudden, now you have a home game. That's the only way you can get a home game. But if the if the Browns are the only of the lower seeds, five through seven to win, then you have to go face the best team in the NFL. And so my point is, it's not reseeding, but it is reseeding. Mm-hmm. So the incentive to having a top four seed is you win your division. I get that. But then the added incentive for a lesser team is the deck is the deck is stacked in your favor. And I just think that is too much emphasis. I think I think every division winner should get a playoff spot, but I think it is an automatic playoff berth. I don't think it should be a top four seed. Because I just think, like, the Browns could be held back by this based on reseeding if the teams behind them don't take care of business. And I think that's trash because they're one of the three best teams in the NFL this year. Have they always done the reseeding, or is that sort of new? Um, since, since they added the, the extra team. I can't remember. It's as long as I can remember. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's in every sport. It I is wish a, it was just a bracket so we knew exactly where we are going. I don't mind that part of it. I just mind that part of it if... You mind how it starts? Well, if if one of the four division winners doesn't really truly deserve to be a top four seed, I'm cool. Like if if the Browns like, were the, like when the Seahawks won the division at seven and nine. Yeah, or I mean the Panthers did that. Uh, I think a decade ago. Um, honestly, it's pretty much habitually the the AFC and NFC South that that are the ones that make this suck. And this is another case this the same year because if you look over in the NFC. The, uh, the the Bucks are nine and eight. There's an eleven and six Eagles team behind them. There's a ten and six uh, Rams team behind them, and uh, uh, then the the Packers, the first nine win team, is a seven seed. But I digress. Let's go with Bob. Bob, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got for us? Hi guys. Uh, so you you took the words out of my mouth. I wanted to say the defense to set the tone. Uh, so I'll change it up and say we need the defense to write the script. And uh, I think it's it's imperative for us to go out there defense first um these guys are exciting they're energized uh winning is contagious and these guys are feeling it right now and they are feeling it like immensely and i think if we go out there get that three and out doesn't even have to be a three and out man if we can just stop them keep them from scoring joe flacco is going to do his business if he doesn't throw any ducks this is to me is a blowout this is a 31 10 win all day long and move on to the next game. That's all I got to say. Good luck, Cleveland. Good luck to our community. Go Browns. Go Browns. Good Go Browns. stuff out of uh, Bob there. Getting getting amped up there. I do think this game has a a sneaky good chance to be. I don't I don't like the word blowout. It's a playoffs. Like that's that's what makes the Steelers Bills line so crazy is that it's a ten point line, 
And you're like, man, that's just. Well, you know, the thing is, too, if, you know, a 10 point line in a game that's going to have, you know, 50 mile an hour wind gusts and maybe yep. a foot of snow. It may be first to 10 wins. Yeah. Well, but that makes it even more telling that it's still a 10 point line with with gale force winds and snow and all this other stuff kind of. I, I, I saw your boy Filipponi saying he thinks they should have Trubisky in there as a package because he can actually run. I think so. Maybe start that him. actually makes some sense. I, I to be maybe, honest with you. I think maybe start Trubisky. I think uh, is Kenny Pickett. Is he allowed? Is, is he OK being a backup? I don't now? know. Is he Bring, even eligible to play? Is he is he still on the team? Is he in witness protection? Because I have not heard of Kenny Pickett since he either did or didn't refuse the backup a few weeks ago. And you hate on some Pickett. Um, I just hate on what he stands for. I, I hate I mean, what he stands for. You, you, you know the guy's like uh, moral moral values. No, no, no. What I mean is he's a symbol of the benefit of the doubt that the Steelers get. The benefit picked a kid. The, the Steelers picked a kid because he was from the backyard uh, from their backyard. And because he was statistically good in at, at Pitt, but kind of ignoring all the concerns. And the second the guy had, and the guy was dog crap last year, but he had five good games, four good games at the end of last season. And everyone's like, oh, Kenny Pickett, it's, that's done. There, there's a new quarterback. And then everybody was surprised. Those same pundits magically forgot their takes. But Pittsburgh gets, and there's a reason. I get it. But I hate the benefit of the doubt the Steelers get. They have earned it. Tomlin's earned it. I, I But like... When it goes to the quarterback position, honestly, they would have won a Super Bowl in the last six years if at any point they'd either had the balls to move on from Ben Roethlisberger or or brought in a better quarterback than him, Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky. Instead, mm-hmm. they've played it conservatively, and that's a reason why they haven't won a playoff game since 2016. But because they've won in the regular season, oh, but Kenny Pickett, he's, he's the next one. Hell out of here. I blacked out. Where are we? Rich, welcome to the show, Rich. Hello, Rich. Rich, you're on the fan. Yeah, great show, guys. 100% start the defense. They set the tone like everybody else is saying. All I can say is you got to look at it like the defense is like the the uh, bully in grade school. Come out, punch him in the face. That's all I can say. Rich, we appreciate it, buddy. Thank you so much. I I would love to be a fly on the wall at Texans HQ to hear the, the conversations. Because, you know, you go into the game knowing, all right, if we win the flip, here's what we want to do. I would wonder whether they would rather put CJ out there first. Just in the event of, hey, you've got an explosive offense. If he can score a touchdown, that's a tone setter, right? Or whether you think, it's rookie quarterback. Let's go ahead and let the Browns offense out first and just give CJ as much time to 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 just it it, it acclimate to the environment mm-hmm. of of a playoff game. I don't know. I I I don't know enough about D'Amico Ryan to know which way to fall, but I cuz the downside is you would then put the Browns defense on the field first and they could easily set the tone as well. Who's going to set the tone first? I think it's going to be the Browns. I, I think here's the, here's the scary part, though, Nick. Mm-hmm. If the Browns go on defense first and Stroud goes like chunk play, chunk play, chunk play down the field and they score, and it's 7 nothing. Mm-hmm. You're you're not going to be feeling like the game's over, but, boy, you're going to be puckered up. I think that's fair, but, I, I mean, I think that's 
be the case with any one of these games. I I think for me to really fear the Texans, it's gonna they would have the Browns would have to fall down double digits. And even then, because of the Baltimore games, I know they can come back, even though Joe wasn't the starting quarterback then. Our next guest is going to be on the call alongside Noah Eagle and Catherine Tappan for the Browns-Texans AFC wildcard game, 4.30 p.m. tomorrow on NBC and Peacock. Following the Browns-Texans game, the Chiefs host the Dolphins at 8, exclusively on Peacock in a game that will be called by Mike Tirico and Jason Garrett. And now... Todd Blackledge, the man, the myth, the legend, NBC Sports and Peacock on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Todd, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you. It's good to be with you guys. Looking forward to this game tomorrow. Well, it feels real. The energy is up here. The nerves are up just a little bit. And I guess, you know, this is we, – we kind of had a, a conversation about the competitiveness of this game. It is, uh, from Vegas, the, the closest um, – Spread of the weekend. Spread of the weekend. Thank yeah. you for helping me with the words. I'm curious, is that the game you expect? Yeah, I really do. I mean, I, I think it will be a, a much different kind of game than when they played on Christmas Eve. I mean, you know, the Browns just completely dominated the action uh, when they played a few weeks ago. It really was never in question, was never close. I think it was 36 to, to 7 in the fourth quarter, and the only seven points was on a, a kickoff return. So, They really controlled the line of scrimmage, controlled the game. Uh, Of course, Joe Flacco and Amari Cooper went off. But I do expect a different game. Um, You know, I think the Houston team that Cleveland will face uh, tomorrow will be a much different team, a healthier team, first and foremost with C.J. Stroud back under center. And then defensively, their two best pass rushers, Will Anderson Jr. and Jonathan Grenard, uh, didn't play in that game. Well, Grenard started, but he got hurt in the third play of the game. Will Anderson didn't even suit up. So so I do think it will be a little bit of a different challenge that the Browns will face on Saturday. Todd, you being a quarterback yourself, I mean, C.J. Stroud's a rookie. It's his first playoff game ever. Yeah. How much pressure is he going to feel? You know what? I, I don't know. I'm sure you've spent some time around him when he was at Ohio State. The, the kid is – he's a cool customer No now. doubt. I mean, he is an unflappable kind of kid. He's a very confident young man. Uh, I had a chance to sit down and do a one-on-one interview with him yesterday. I mean, he was awesome. I mean, and and he even misses, yeah, I get nervous before the games, but I kind of use that energy that I feel, uh, you know, to kind of propel me. But but I, I don't think the moment will be too big for him at all. I think he is – he has just played at such a high level, and even talking to Jim Schwartz today, you know, the defensive coordinator for the, for the Browns, and talking about Strauss, is his, he has just accelerated what you expect out of talented rookie quarterbacks. I mean, he, he's doing things in his first year that normally takes a couple of years to, for guys to get comfortable doing, going through his progressions, not being a one-read and, and, you know, scramble or panic kind of guy. He's really played at an exceptionally high level, and, and the team has great belief in him. So I don't think the moment will be too big for him uh, at all. Todd Blackledge on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. So the Browns defense, the you know that's their strength. The uh, you know CJ Stroud is the Texans' strength. You know how do you how do you slow down T- uh, CJ Stroud? Well, obviously, you know, you slow them down with pressure. I mean, all quarterbacks are, are less effective versus pressure than they are, uh, you know, when, when they've got a clean pocket and all of that. So, so that's 
certainly one thing, and that's something that Cleveland, with Miles Garrett leading the way, has done a great job of all season. The other thing that that Cleveland has an advantage of, or, or is is going to be really challenging for C.J. Stroud, is he is highly, highly effective and efficient and accurate, particularly against zone coverage defense. But Cleveland is a primarily man coverage team, and and I think. You know, as good as their rush is up front, their ability in the back end to play a high percentage of man coverage with tight press coverage uh, because of the talent of their corners, uh, really, you know, that goes hand in hand with the rush. And, and it breaks up timing of passing routes. You're not really throwing to open spaces. You've got to wait till guys get some separation. And so, you know, those two things with the Cleveland defense go hand in hand. And I think that's why they've been the best pass defense, the best total defense in the NFL this year. So, excuse me. Stefanski has coached five different quarterbacks this year, five different starting quarterbacks. And yeah. here they are, you know, 11 wins going to the postseason for the second time. He was already coach of the year once. You think he's earned coach of the year again? I'll tell you what, I think, I think he could make a very strong case for either one of the guys in this game tomorrow. D'Amico Ryans took over a team that was three 13 and one a year ago. They've had two one and done head coaches before him. And they're in the playoffs for the first time since 2019 with a rookie quarterback and a first-time head coach. So uh, there's a great argument for him. But Stefanski, as you mentioned, not only the five quarterbacks, uh, but also they lose their best player, Nick Chubb, in week two. They are on their fourth and fifth option at offensive tackle right now and still you know, find a way to win 11 ball games and, and be here in the wild card game. So uh, just a remarkable job of coaching by he and his staff as well. So Kevin Stefanski does have a playoff win uh, from that 2020 season. That was his, you know, previously his, his first foray as a head coach in his first season in the playoffs. Uh, Jim Schwartz was, uh, you know, won the Super Bowl as a defensive coordinator for uh, Philly as a, as a head coach, also had the, the Lions in the playoffs one year. Bill Callahan, like all, all the Browns are pretty replete with coaching experience for the playoffs. When you look at D'Amico Ryan's first trip there, obviously in his first year as a head coach, but first trip as the head coach after right. years in the playoffs with San Francisco and Bobby Sloak first year's OC. How much does that playoff experience matter for first time head coach, first time OC? Again, I don't know. I mean, these guys have been together and they've been grinding together for 17, 18 weeks now. And, and, Look, everybody knows it's different in the playoffs because it's it's lose and go home, right? And and the the intensity is going to be ratcheted up for sure. But it, once they kick it off, it's still the same. It's still the same kind of game plan. You still have to execute. You can't make it any bigger than it is once the game kicks off. It's it's these hours and days and all the attention right now that makes it feel different. But for all of these guys coaching, uh, you know, once that ball's teed off and, and, and kicked off, it, it just gets down to what they've been doing week in and week out. You know, and the other thing, the funny thing, you, you mentioned Stefanski does have the playoff win, but if I'm not mistaken, he was, he was home watching in his basement when they beat Pittsburgh in the playoff game back in 2020, wasn't he? That is correct. Yes, sir. Yeah. So he's got the win, but, I mean, I'm sure he'll be happier to be on the sideline for this one uh, on Saturday. So looking to the quarterback position, the most experience you have in this game for the Browns is Joe Flacco. Um, I, I think it's 71 years as a Browns uh, yeah. as a starting quarterback in the NFL, I believe. 
Uh, I'm just curious about what you've seen from Joe Flacco in the five games he's played and and your thoughts on how real this run he has after a couple rough years elsewhere. Well, I, I think it's, it's first of all, it's a great story. You know, it's, it's one of those feel-good stories. I mean, it, it feels like this year has been backup quarterbacks have been one of the main stories in the NFL, and no story is better than what Joe Flacco has done. Uh, you know, basically coming off the couch and, and driving his kids to, to school and practice and, and all those kind of things uh, to signing in November with the Browns and then leading them into the playoffs and playing well, throwing, you know, showing that that arm talent, uh, he still has, you know, outstanding arm talent uh, for as many years as he's been in the league. So, uh, you know, I think it's real. I, I don't think I don't think it's one of those things where you know the other shoe's going to drop anytime soon. The thing that Houston is hoping for a different result is that they can put more pressure on him, get more hits on him, make him a little bit more uncomfortable. And the one thing that Joe has done, even as good as he's played, he still will throw the ball up into some dangerous areas at times. Even though he has 13 touchdown passes, he also has eight interceptions. So I think they're they're hoping that they can pressure him more, make him a little bit more uncomfortable, and not just give him those clean looks to to launch the ball down the field like he did back on December 24th. A little bit of NFL news to pass along here real quick, Dusty, as I jump in. Ohio State running back Travion Henderson has announced he's returning to school for a senior season. Ooh, so that, gigantic return for Ohio yeah. State there. Wow. No doubt about that. We'll take that good news. You, you know, it's interesting because it, 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 I've been seeing that from a, a few of their guys here. And, you know, I hope I'm not saying anything that makes people in Northeastern Ohio upset, but it's it's it, it seems like and feels a little bit like what we saw at the University of Michigan last year with, with so many of their guys who – could have gone on and a lot of guys that maybe would have gotten a first round grade deciding, Hey, look, we want to come back and try to finish business here. And of course they did, but uh, kind of get that same sense with some of these decisions that are being made in Columbus with some of their key players. I guess I'll follow up with another, another question here. What do you think about Kalen DeBoer going to Alabama? Yeah. Interesting. I mean, first of all, uh, you know, Nick Saban, you know, I don't know anybody that really wants to follow a legend. And, I mean, he's been the best that there's been ever in college football. And so uh, big, big shoes to fill. But Kalen DeBoer, has, he is a great football coach, and he has been successful every stop he's been at. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, obviously he'll bring his style and his offense and philosophy, and they'll, you know, they'll be exciting to watch, and they'll be able to attract skilled people and all that. But it will be interesting to see who he brings with his staff and who he hires and you know, recruiting in the SEC and some of those things is a little bit different. And, and uh, But it, it, I think it's a good hire because I think he's a really, really good football coach. Todd, we think you're a really, really darn good analyst. We're very <laughs> excited to hear you this weekend and see you this weekend. So I enjoy the game. Hopefully it's a Browns win, although I know you can't call for that, but we do appreciate you. You got it, man. Good to be with you guys. Thanks, enjoy Todd. the game. Thanks yep. so much. Todd Blackledge. You need to get ready with the It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. Crew of Daryl and Andy, sponsored locally by Smiley One and Bryant, Northeast Ohio's premier heating and cooling solution. Subscribe to their podcast at 923thefan.com or on the Odyssey app and make sure you're ready for whatever happens next. You can watch the video on 923thefan's YouTube channel as well. It's another podcast on there you can watch. It's called Sons of the Shoe. Going to have uh, quite the update on our next episode where we talk about Travion Henderson and everything else. But this is about it's always game day in Cleveland. 
going into plug fest here while we uh, get you ready for Browns and Texans. SA, like the Joe Flacco angle of this, it is it is the most asked question. It's the most debated topic and this entire week for me there, Dustin, because, you know, I, I, I'm very fortunate. Houston's one of the markets where I just oddly have collected uh, friends, like my old, my old partner in Charlotte, Stan Norfleet's there now. Uh, I have several buddies. Landry Locker, of course, who used to work here as Ken and Anthony's producer. He does radio there. Figgy. I have all these. Landry taking shots at the morning show. I know, week. and I enjoyed it, and I might have joined in. On air. Uh, all in good humor, of course. My buddy Dan Campbell's there. Dan Campbell. My buddy Dan is there. Good Lord. With all this being said, though, the number one thing I was asked, and literally every show, every – my buddy Cody has a, has a, a YouTube channel. you got a lot of buddies, man. Every, uh, it's the one market. I don't have friends in any other markets except apparently Houston. But the number one question I was asked five times this week, is the Joe Flacco magic going to wear off? And it's funny because I that speaks to the idea that people around the NFL don't really buy into it. And earlier this week when you were out, we played some Aaron Shots audio from the uh, the the overtime of Jonathan Peterlin, the night show. Shots or shats? It's shots. Okay. Yeah. They fired. Other, the shots other th- fired. The other thing is a different thing. Um, but I'll say, like, you know, he kind of pointed to, well, do you trust this year, five games from this year, do you trust the three previous years? And my rebuttal was – I mean, it was 12 games in the last three years in a situation where a quarterback who his entire career has benefited from a good offensive line didn't have a good offensive line or a good play caller or an offensive scheme that fit in New York. So it's it's a little rich for me to hear people talk about sample size in Cleveland and then reference not even a full season played in New York the previous three years. And that, that brings us to Mike Sando, who was on with – uh, gentlemen, Peterlin last night, and we already played one one piece of this sound talking because he thinks the Texans have a chance to win this game. But I thought the most interesting thing he had to say was that he doesn't know we've seen the best yet from Joe Flacco. I would say the last couple games, right? Houston and the Jets were, um, you know, better offensively. But shoot, it's a three interception game against the Bears. Probably should have had more. Mm-hmm. And while I understand he had three touchdowns, one interceptions against you know against Jacksonville. Uh, there was some bad in that game too. So I don't feel like he's actually totally hit stride yet. I, I don't. I don't think it's a situation where, you know, it's it's going to strike midnight and now, oh, this magical run is over. I don't think he's been on a magical run so far. I think he's been finding his way on a good team, made some big plays, but I think he could actually play a little bit more consistently and a little more uh, efficiently. You know, start to finish in a game. You agree with that? I think it's a, a very astute point. I really agree. Because it, especially with the turnovers, like Flacco has not played football in like a year. He comes here and he steps in it. And yeah, he makes some big time throws, which he, he can do. He's got a big time arm. But I feel like he's gotten more and more comfortable in the system. And that also allows Stefanski to give more or put more on his plate, I should say. And now with another week to prepare for this game, boy, I, I, I think that like he's got the full arsenal. I I almost feel like if you look at and, and I'll actually go really the first two games. You know the Rams, you march down the field, you have a really nice first drive. All right? And and then the defense let up, I think a touchdown that first drive for LA as well. You go to the Jacksonville game, really nice first drive. 
But if you look at the second drives, the third drives, the fourth drives, the fifth drives, those first two or three games, there were a lot of three and outs. There were a lot of duds. And they don't all have to be, you know, like Pat Mahomes has some dud drives. But you you, you almost need a variety. You need four or five scoring drives in a game, and whether that's, you know, pure touchdowns or just being able to kick field goals and add three points at a time. So you need four or five opportunities to score a game and you need to limit your three and outs and get as many of those five, six, seven play drives that just chew up time. Cause not only does it help your offense stay in rhythm and, and, and continues the longer you're on the field, the more likely you can hit a home run, right? Correct. The other part is it just protects your defense in a different way. And so if you compare the first, two-and-a-half games to the last two-and-a-half games. And I, I'm going to treat the second half against the Jets as the anomaly because there was a, uh, there was no Elijah Moore, no Amari Cooper, and they were able to just isolate David Njoku and take him out of the mix. And, and they weren't running the ball consistently in that game either in the second half. So if you go from the fourth quarter of Chicago through the entirety of the Texans game into the first half of the Jets game, you saw more sustained drives. And even then, because of what you just said, even then, I don't know that's the best Joe Flacco's going to do simply because he hasn't cut down on the turnovers yet. I thought the turnovers got more acceptable. I mean, the second half of the Jets game, notwithstanding. I'd, I'd rather Flacco throw for 250, two touchdowns and no picks. Yeah. Than throw for the 350, yes. three touchdowns and two picks. Because the 250, two touchdowns, no picks – you're basically just saying, all right, we can trust the the, yeah, the you, defense with the rest. And you're also not asking him to make a comeback. Yeah, and you're not putting too much pressure on the defense. So, and and by the way, I still think there's a world because of the fit system-wise uh, system and because of the talent you have around him. Stout offensive line, good playmakers, even though it's not Jamar Chase, good playmakers, that I could see him at some point. Maybe not every game. There's going to be a game where the turnovers against some of these defenses you could have in front of you. There's going to be a – I mean, hell, even you make it to the Super Bowl. You're not going four games without getting to a defense that can that can mess with Joe. But do I think there could be a game out there where he does have a clean game with 300 yards? 100%. And I just think, like, we're in the sweet spot of if it's going to go south, it's going to go south one of these games. Or the idea that they've hit the ceiling – when at any point you get the running game going, that's going to add things. If you can continue to refine and not turn the ball over, the number one thing that tells me that Joe Flacco's run isn't a fluke is the ability to deliver deep, explosive plays in a way that, honestly, very few quarterbacks in the NFL can do that. That buys you a lot of leeway. But if you can pair that with sound decision in the intermediate Man, I got to tell you, that's where all of a sudden it's tough not to salivate at the idea of a run because you can put up serious points that way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, again, back back to his, his point there, like Flacco can get better. And when you look back to his runs in the past, especially the run he had in 12, like it was better, 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 better until he ends up winning the damn thing. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's another interesting thing. I don't think if he wins this game, do you know the but this is going to be the national headline yeah. across the entire league? 
Well, and I think playing, not to mention you're probably going to be going to Baltimore. And it, and if you play a clean game in this one, again, Joe, even just one turnover. If Joe goes out there for 275, three touchdowns, an interception, and the Browns win this game, and especially if it's a if it's a more comfortable Browns win than the two point line would lead you to believe it's going to be, um, you're going to see a lot of people hopping on the Browns bandwagon after Saturday at 4:30. If that if that happens, you're, and and it, a lot of it's going to be, well, we were probably wrong, or maybe we shouldn't have ignored Joe Flacco. Two one six four seven four double o nine two. So Mike Sando was on overtime with Jonathan Peterlin the other night and said that. He doesn't think we've seen the best of Joe Flacco in Cleveland yet. Where do you see the areas of improvement for Joe Flacco, and do you think that's more likely than Joe turning into a pumpkin again? I think contextually, I think you are protected with Joe. I I think there are going to be some games better than others, but people who think this is a fluke don't understand the Kubiak offense and the fit for Joe and they don't really understand the the power of, of him playing in front of an offensive line that's keeping his jersey clean. And the fact that even even when the offense uh, defense has gotten some pressure, the Browns have moved him around a bit. Frank, welcome to the show, Frank. What's what you got? What's happening, fellas? I was hey, I'm saying the same thing my man was saying, man. He going to get better, man. And if you if you go look, I'm going to say about 75% of 80% of the interceptions that he threw, he was throwing off his back foot trying to compensate for a strong arm. But other than that, he's going to have a clean game, man. I I just like the fact that he cool, calm, collective. This is the same thing I thought Deshaun was going to do if he got four, five, six straight games up on this belt. But it is what it is, man. I, I just feel like we definitely going to make this run, fellas. It's going to be epic. I hope, man, we win this game. You ain't going to be able to tell me nothing. <laughs> it's on. All right, fellas. Y'all have a good night. Frank, right, appreciate Frank. you, buddy. buddy. I mean, I think – you know, there's a part of me when we start to kind of play this thing out. I think for the Browns to really do what we hope, man, I think you got to get a play a home playoff game in here, which would again, for that to happen this this next week, you would need Miami to win and Pittsburgh to win behind you later on this week. That's a lot to ask. Two, you know, the the top three seeds, or sorry, the the bottom three seeds in any conference winning out in that first round is a lot. But I just I just think it there's an important part of the offense playing well. Listen, I think the defense playing well right off the rip is immense value to winning this game comfortably. The offense having a really nice game and taking a step forward, I think puts the rest of the league on notice. If both of those things happen, your offense and your defense play some of their better games that they've had in a minute. Yep. That's where I think – I'm not talking about the national media or national fans. I'm talking about the rest of the NFL will go, oh, no. Because experience, um, explosive plays deep, a defense that can cover well, and a defense that can hit you hard, that's physical, that gets after the quarterback, that's the recipe. That really is. I mean, it's that simple. And then it just becomes, can your O-line keep you clean enough, right? Or can, can you keep the uh, Joe Flacco clean enough? Correct. But the recipe's there. Now you just got to see how the ingredients line up. <laughs> Let's go with Ben. Welcome to the show, Ben. ben. What's up, Ben? Hey, how's it going? It's going well. I was well. wondering what are your thoughts on uh, if Dust, with Dustin Hopkins being down and Riley Patterson, not, you know, not playing in big games throughout his career, if he's a liability or, you know, do you sign someone down the line? Because, you know, big games come in short scoring moments. I, I, I think you're old with Patterson tomorrow. Um, you have to. I mean, he's been here. 
He's been in the locker room. He understands this. I mean, he's he's been in the special teams meeting room. He he gets it. Ben, we appreciate it, buddy. I understand what you're saying, and I would rather have Dustin Hopkins in this game. But really, outside of the one PATs missed, he's been pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, the hope is that that Dustin Hopkins is able to come back next week, uh, assuming there is a next week. We all assume. We all believe there's going to be next week. That's the hope. I, here's the other thing. I got to say, guys, Dustin Hopkins, when he came here, was not the guy he was five years previously. This is a guy who bounced around a little bit. And I give Bubba Ventrone credit for helping Dustin be the best kicker he's been. Guys, he was arguably the best kicker in the AFC, despite not making the Pro Bowl. So I, there's a part of me that's like, well, I'm... Before he got hurt, he had the most field goals in the league. And I'm a little unsure of Riley Patterson, but it's not like his numbers were terrible. Well, and here's the other thing, too, Nick. We're playing in a neutral dome environment. Yeah. Okay? It's not like we were asking him to kick in Cleveland Browns Stadium where he's never really kicked in conditions like it's going to be tomorrow. If this were a home game tomorrow, I'd actually be really worried about our kicking game. I think that's really fair. Yeah, 100%. You know? Especially with the conditions that seem to be I mean, I'm looking outside, outside right outside. now. And, and, and there's like a wind warning until tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Like, that that would be like right around kickoff. Yeah, I'd be nervous with, with Patterson here in Cleveland. Daryl from Manaway, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got for us? Yeah, hey, uh, you know what? I'm, I was worried about Flacco, you know, throwing interceptions in the playoffs because, it, I mean, it's one game. You know what I mean? You got to win or you go home. It's done. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm also worried about C.J. C. Stroud. If we collapse that pocket and he gets out of there and runs for 20, 30 yards, um, uh, I, I just think that if, if they, you know, overrun him, you know, they have in the past with mobile quarterbacks, you know, where they overrun him and then they shoot out of there and get out of there and run for 20 yards. But, uh, hey, Dustin, you might know this more than me. Was there any receivers that we could have picked up before this game? Because, uh, you know, I just felt like, you know, with Amari Cooper, you know, he was, uh, you know, he was out and everything. And I know a lot of guys are playing hurt. But, uh, I don't know that the receiver's an issue going to this game there, partner. Yeah, I think, I think actually Amari's uh, trending really well because yeah. he's had a, a little while off there. Daryl, we appreciate you, buddy. Daryl, out in my neck of the woods in Manaway. Um, yeah, it's interesting though what he was talking about with uh, with his team and and CJ running. This, I don't think CJ's a runner. He is mobile, and there's a difference between being a running quarterback. He in in 15 games he had 167 yards. That's about 11 yards per game. Now, listen, if you over pursue him, Miles, if you over pursue him, yeah, he can turn a, a five yard loss into a 15 yard, 20 yard play. But he's he's mobile. He's not as we saw in, in the Georgia game. You can move him around and he can get out of the pocket and make unscripted plays, but those are not as likely to be with his legs. You're not gonna have to shadow him with JOK in this game. Two one six four seven four double oh nine two. Ron and Manaway, Mike and Medina, you guys stick there. Uh we had Mike Sando on the night show last night. He says he doesn't think we've seen the best from Joe Flacco yet. Is there more room? For Joe Flacco to get better, more from you guys next on 92.3 The Fan. Nick and Dustin back on Afternoon Drive. Kickoff with Boomer and Valenti. Focuses on the playoffs and how Cleveland will fare against Houston Friday night at 8. 
It's tonight at 8 before overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. Listen on the Odyssey app presented nationally by Casamigos Tequila. Casamigos brought to you by those who drink it and Lowe's. Lowe's knows home improvement. It is a football Friday. We got Daryl Ryder coming up in just about 15 minutes here. I'm going to take your calls in just a second here, but but you have a little bit of a gripe here, Dustin, because you've got some Flacco jersey flack. What is going on here? So here's the thing. So I got my I got Sarah jersey, like the women's jersey. I got Women. my, my son a Flacco jersey. I got myself, in fact, it just arrived about a half hour ago, the white 1946 Flacco jersey. I got Flacco fever. I'm mm-hmm. wacko. I'll tell you, I'm wacko for Flacco. I'm wacko for Flacco. I don't do a good Rodney Dangerfield. So I was trying to do more of a, um, what's his face? I need more cowbell. Oh, Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. I'll tell you, I'm. Uh, no, I, I, I go, I go straight Dangerfield. Cause, yeah, because anytime you say, I I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'm just wacko for Flacco. <laughs> I don't even know. Is Christopher Walken Australian? I'm wacko for Flacco. I'm wacko for Flacco. Hey, crikey. Just so, right. So you were saying about you got the to jerseys? Love it. You were saying about the jerseys <laughs> before we just flush this great show down the toilet? It's been three and a half strong hours. It is not too early or too late. To- so I've I've felt this way ever since Flacco started having this run that no matter what happens going forward, like you can go to a Browns game, right? And you can make fun of all the quarterbacks that have played for the Cleveland Browns over the last, you know, 25 years. Mm-hmm. And whether it be uh, a Counts jersey or uh, you may see a Charlie Fry, you may see a Brady Quinn, you may see, you know, Derek Anderson jersey. Like, people can make fun of those jerseys, but, like, no matter what, this last month and a half, and really the season, has been sort of, like, magical mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in a fun way where, like, we were supposed to be a really good team, and then everything went down the toilet, and it felt like the season was over, and yet they were galvanized. And then more players get hurt. Then Deshaun gets hurt again. And then you have to go to Flacco, and you're like, I mean, Flacco was like on the practice squad. I was like, he's not even going to play. He's just here to be a backup and like his, help mentor the young kids. And then he comes in and just does all this thing. And like, I don't care if he wins or not tomorrow. This last month and a half, like you can wear a Flacco jersey to a Browns game 10 years down the line, and you'll remember how much fun this season's been. Yeah, I mean, listen, they were seven and four when he took over. They could have easily be, went from seven and four to to eight and nine. Yeah, and so I think I. And do, by the way, if you'd have played Flacco against the Bengals, you'd be twelve and five too. Um, I think that's really fair. Yeah, and honestly, if you had played him earlier, you might even had another win. Um, outside of that uh, Denver game, although you had literally just signed him, that would not have been. Or no, sorry, you. You worked him out on Friday, and then you signed him on Monday after the Broncos yeah. lost. But I digress. Um, you know, we point to Jeff Garcia. Jeff Garcia didn't go 4-1 and one and and leads to the playoffs. Um, we point to Bruce Gradkowski. Bruce Gradkowski was a Week 18 or, sorry, Week 17 starter, and I believe he lost that game. So all those the, – the people who say, well, that's a shame jersey. Uh, no, because those other quarterbacks you talked about – didn't go four and one, and that four and one record puts you in the playoffs. That is the difference. So, I mean, I think. Listen, I think you really. I I think if Joe Flacco wins tomorrow, or excuse me, when Joe Flacco wins tomorrow, guys, you were never getting rid of the Flacco jerseys. 
And so anybody who like snidely commented, because I saw them on social media, the people that snidely commented to you, the very few, the most people there were There were excited. like a half a dozen, yeah. but like those, one, those are the ones that stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah, of course. It's like, I want people to be excited, you know? And I'm like, it just came, you know, yesterday just in time for the game this weekend. And people are like, oh, you got, you got a jersey to wear for a week? Yeah. And I'm like, no, I'll wear this jersey next year. Yeah. Even yeah. if Flacco play, goes plays for somebody else, I don't care. Yeah, I mean, I think it's more it, – it, at this point, I think Browns fans respect the person. They respect what he did respect here. Respect the hell out of the guy. And they respect the fact that you're in the playoffs. Because this, Yeah, we at, don't go to the playoffs. When he took over – and, I mean, he did lose the first game. When he took over, this thing could have gone – where I mean, look at it, guys. Look at look in the uh, AFC. Look at how tight things were in the AFC, and how if you go nine and eight instead of uh, uh, eleven and six, you're not in the playoffs. Instead, not only did you win, you won so much that everybody got to rest in week eighteen. Real quick here, let's go with Mike in Medina. What's up, buddy? Hey guys. So uh, the Flacco thing. I I'm I mean I love Joe Flacco. I. I need to see this win to get a jersey. I bought one of the, the shirts from one of those, the local Cleveland T-shirt companies, and I love it. But I, if they get this win, that, that'll cement me buying a jersey. Oh, I um, like it. Not that I, I – I would never, you know, like say – I mean, I have a Johnny Manziel jersey I wear as a joke. Um, <laughs> so I'd never really say anything I saw a Flacco jersey. But uh, just got to get this win, and they will. They will get the win. Um, one quick question. What do we think the Browns playoff, you know – chances going into Baltimore means for Julian Edelman coming back next year. Thanks, guys. I don't get the Julian Edelman bit. Uh, Ron and Manaway, what you got for us? My guys. Hey, my brothers from other mothers. Good to be with you guys. Um, uh, real quick, um, uh, Andy Roth, he's like the hardest working man in show business. I think I've been hearing him all day. He's like the eyeball in the back of the dollar bill. He's always watching over you guys. But, <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I, oh, also, Nick, did you hear uh, Collinsworth mention that Jordan Poyer uh, credits Ayahuasca with uh, his, 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 play, his stellar play this year? I thought about you when he, when he said that. Why but, do you uh, think my radio career is going where it is? Because I'm, I'm, I've tanked it so that I can take Ayahuasca and then it'll be, you know, I'll take over for Coward I, I, in a year. I know. I, I got a nice chuckle when he said that. I, w- I wanted to call and let you know about that. No, but uh, what, what I'm really calling, I know you guys are up against it. Um, do you think that the, since we're in the playoffs and that the level of referees that we're going to get uh, in this game tomorrow and hopefully if we advance throughout the playoffs will will uh, will, will help us? Because, you know, Miles Garrett, he gets held at least ten times a game. Do you think the crew tomorrow and the crew throughout the playoffs will give us a decided advantage because they'll call every time that Miles Garrett gets held uh, in these games a little bit more than they have been throughout the regular season? Um, so I, God, do, I sure hope so. You know, it's interesting, Ron, and yeah. I thank you for the call, buddy. Uh, Ron and Manaway there. The the thing that I think is interesting is uh, superstar players are more likely to get those calls in the playoffs. And it and it, it, it is supposed to be a sign of respect, right? Um, you you te- I, I think you start to see more of the protect the quarterback calls, and that can be controversial because sometimes it's not warranted, um, I, I actually kind of akin to it. I think the same thing happens in the NBA. Where like a call you're not going to get in January is a call you might get in May. So, yes, I actually think there's a decent chance that if Miles gets held, they actually might call it in this game. Um, I still don't know that the level of re- uh, refereeing is going to be what you want it to be because I just think across the board they're caca. So, 
We might get a Miles Garrett call. They also might get a. Uh, they don't really have their version of Miles Garrett. Um, trying to think of a guy that. Well, John Grenard gets a lot of uh, a love, but maybe a, a, a phantom call on C.J. Stroud as well. Daryl Ryder joins us next. We'll get his thoughts on this game. Vibe check with Daryl. By, by the way, you know what the Edelman joke is, right? No. When Legarrette Blunt called in one time. Oh. And, and just ah. randomly like started talking about Julian Edelman. Oh, my God. Because he was calling in to talk about his weed company yeah. or CBD company. Which made sense. Yeah. yeah. I th- he was definitely high during yes. the call. Well, naturally. Naturally. Yeah, it's, it's it is coming. all natural. Yeah, he's he was so high. We got we to find that clip. He was like, I'll tell you, Julian Edelman, he, I think he's going to come out of retirement or something. That's so a good that, call. Back. That was a good pull. Yeah. That one by me, man. Very good, Mike and Medina. All right. Uh, Daryl, next on 92.3 The Fan. As I was teasing poor uh, big weeds, Jake Volnick there in the 2020, as if I, once upon a time as a 2020 guy, had any room to talk there as the worst 2020 guy in the history of 92.3 The Fan. So we you see, were not great at it. You're not great at it. It's, you, it's, you were a big handsy guy. I'm still handsy. That's just who I am. I got these big old meat hooks. I like to move them around a little bit. We used to mess with you bad, man. Yeah, I remember there was very early on, like this is when we were, I mean, maybe three or four months because it was like October. It was dark. I was grumpy because I I had another full time job that I worked a lot. And you and Adam were messing with me. And on air, I said something really snide to both of you. And I almost don't even remember what it was anymore. But I hit both of you with an insult thinking we're all friends here. Uh, You guys didn't look at me for about three to six months. You got screwed. It was probably more the big guy. Um, no, no, I think I was a D to you. It was not. I think I hit you harder than I did him. And uh, but we listen. Twelve years later, we made. We've up. evolved. It only took twelve years, and here we are. Uh, but uh, here we are talking about the Browns Texans playoff game, Houston tomorrow, four thirty in the afternoon in Houston, and to talk about the whole shebang. Uh, you know him from It's Always Game Day in Cleveland, the, the legendary Cleveland podcast. You know him from his work as 92.3 The Fan Beat Reporter, Browns Beat Reporter, brought to you by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. The great Daryl Ryder joins us now. What's up, buddy? Hello, boys. How are we? I think we I think we caught the bug today. I think, you know, the way the schedule worked is it it just took a long time to really hone in and focus on this game. It was a slow burn, and... I'm ready, man. I, I I wish it would kick off when we got off the air at, at 7 o'clock. Well, uh, 24 hours from now, we will be immersed in uh, in things and, uh, what, about probably just coming out of the locker room after halftime, right? So how are we feeling? We vibe, get that, a little vibe check, little vibe here, check here. on yeah. a Friday? Oh, supreme confidence. Supreme confidence. Supreme confidence. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm confident. I mean, but NFL Network, or sorry, ESPN, four of the five prognosticators. You, you could have stopped at ESPN and just moved on. <laughs> Easy, Daryl. <laughs> no, co- no, no. I collect a paycheck from uh, them. Yeah, but I don't. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so where does that supreme confidence come from? What, which, which part of this specifically are you supremely confident about? Um. Well, I, look, I mean, the, the, the mood in the locker room this week was just the same as it's been any other week. Um, they're not doing anything different. They haven't changed anything, nor should they, uh, because what they've been doing uh, is working. Also, 
Uh, the, the fact that they have the best defense in the NFL, they're the best at defending the pass in the NFL, they're the best at getting off the field in third down uh, in the NFL, where they struggle is when the offense turns the ball over and, uh, you know, gives them a short field to defend. But, um, you know, I, I just uh, – the last time uh, the Browns led the NFL in total overall defense was 1955. This is the fifth time in franchise history that they've done that. Uh, and in three of the previous four years that the Browns have led in total defense, they've won the whole shebang. So I, I feel really, really good. Defense wins championships, and the Browns have a championship-caliber defense. What's the key to the game, Daryl? I, I, I think it's turnovers. Um, that's the only thing that worries me uh, is, you know, the Browns, uh, give it away more than any team in the NFL. The Houston Texans give it away the least of any team in the NFL. That's my number one concern uh, is uh, turnovers and giving Houston those extra possessions where they turn those turnovers into points. That, that's really my number one uh, concern. Um, certainly things are a little different now. Uh, Will Anderson Jr., uh, and uh, Jonathan Grenard, they're both going to play. Um, you're going to have uh, C.J. Stroud, who they didn't see on Christmas Eve either, which changes things a little bit. But look, the type of defense that the Browns play, uh, that man-to-man style, well, it's not one that C.J. Stroud likes to see uh, here in his rookie season. And I think as he grows in his career – He's going to be better, but he, he tends to not play at his best when he's working against these man-to-man type defenses. So uh, I am uh, very interested to see how that uh, plays out. Daryl, part of the conversation we had early was about setting the tone for this game from the Brown side of things. So if you could choose, um, if we gave you the right to choose whether the Browns' defense is on the field first or the offense is on the field first, what do you what do you, which side of the ball would you like to see on the field first for Cleveland? I'm taking the ball, trying to march down the field and punch him in the face right out of the gate, just like they did uh, on Christmas Eve. Uh, four of the five starts for Joe Flacco on the opening drive have ended in touchdowns. So put the offense out there and set the tone right away. How about this defense's ability to travel? Is it still a concern? It is a little bit of a concern. Um, uh, obviously, the way they uh, played on uh, Christmas Eve gives you a little hope, minus that little stretch there uh, in the fourth quarter that caused Kevin Stefanski to put the starters back on the field to, to close the thing out. But um, that, it, that is a thing. Um, and, uh, you know, listening to Miles Garrett talk, listening to Jim Schwartz talk and some of the other defensive guys, they, they're very well aware that they've not played their best football uh, away from home uh, and, and of course again Stroud's going to give them uh, a little more of a challenge than uh, Case Keenum obviously did on Christmas Eve but um, I just I feel like this team is going to go as far not so much as Joe Flacco can carry them but as the defense is going to take them um, and if this defense plays up to what they did in the regular season um, it's going to be a fun playoff run for Browns fans but if they don't, then, um, you know, we're, we're going to be sitting here talking about what could have, would have, should have been. Carol, I bought my entire family Flacco jerseys. Is that a good call? Absolutely. Like, th- th- this, this story is something that... We'll never forget. 
Right. We're going to be talking, regardless of the outcome tomorrow, regardless of the outcome, we are going to be talking about this for years to come, what Joe Flacco has been able to do. And just to kind of put it in perspective here, um, he's the first player in NFL history uh, with two touchdown passes and at least 250 yards in each of his first five games uh, with the new team. Second player ever to throw for over 300 in four of his first five games. Uh, the Browns' offense, uh, 1,616 pass yards, 13 touchdowns. That ranks second in the entire NFL. He has more touchdown passes than some teams had in the NFL this season. Uh, this is the, you, you could not script this better. Uh, this is just such a wonderful story. Um, he's such a professional. It's uh, and he he has just given them hope that they have a legitimate chance to get to Las Vegas. That's not to say that it's going to happen, but he's got ten playoff uh, victories under his belt. Seven of those have come on the road. That ties him with Tom Brady for the most in NFL history. He's thrown for two touchdowns in each of his last eight playoff starts. Uh, that's a great call by you. <laughs> that you got it, and I and I got and I got the white one, the nineteen forty six one. Ah, uh, see that that's my favorite. Yeah, me too. It, it that is my my favorite. Um, I I absolutely love the white helmets. I hope we get to see that uniform again. Uh, there's uh, going to be in the orange helmet, white jersey, and orange pants uh, tomorrow. That is the same uniform that they wore in twenty twenty one where they uh, went to Pittsburgh and slapped the Steelers around for four quarters in the wild card game, but no one was allowed to attend, including head coach Kevin Stefanski. Daryl, we've had a few different pundits on talking about Joe Flacco, and the varying beliefs are, ah, the magic's going to run out, or that we've seen the best. <laughs> I always hate that, right? That, that's how our business works. Build them up to tear them down. Right? I, mean, I think that's and, fair. And, 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 and it's like, they're just waiting for him to turn into the pumpkin at midnight, right? And I, I hate that. That's the one thing in our business that I absolutely hate is the, the, the build them up to tear them down thing. Just waiting for the, the bad stuff to happen. The other shoot a drop. I don't think it's going to, by the way. Well, that's actually where I was going to go with it, wondering whether you think, because we also had uh, Mike Sando on with JP the other night. Mike Sando said he doesn't think we've seen the best of Joe Flacco in Cleveland yet. I was going to say that's a scary prospect to think about. Well, I, yep. not not for Browns fan, but for, for every team the NFL, that they yeah. have to play, right? Yeah. What do you think? What What can the Browns do to unlock the next rung of Joe Flacco? And do you think there is one more gear to get to offensively with Joe? Uh, I would say uh, eliminate those um, – Eliminate those mental mistakes, right? Receivers be where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there. I mean, that's where some of his eight interceptions have come from. Um, it was interesting. I was on a, a station in Houston uh, this afternoon, and they were talking about the eight interceptions. And I said, well, let me give you some context. Two of those interceptions came on uh, deep balls, uh, one against the, you, you know, the Texans and then one uh, against the Rams. So we're going to scratch those off the list. You can live with that. Now we're down to six picks, right? Well, three of them had a receiver not doing what they were supposed to do. So let's take three more of those uh, off uh, the list. Now we're down to three picks. Well, one of those came against the Texans at the end of the half when they couldn't kick a 36-yard field goal. Well, let's scratch that. So in reality, from my perspective, he's got 13 touchdowns and two interceptions when you're talking about legitimate mistakes that are his fault, 
where, uh, you know, so I, I th- that to me is the, the next level, right? That uh, they don't have interceptions as the result of receivers making a mistake and not being where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there. And if that happens, well, I don't know. I, something tells me he's got a four. Something tells me he's got a 400 yard game in him. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, if you talk about the next level, that's the next level. 400 yards, three, you know, three, four, five touchdowns in a game. Um, I don't know if that comes tomorrow or whatever, but that to me is the next level because we've seen some pretty good Joe Flacco here in these five starts. Daryl, I've got a silver lining as to why this being a road game is a positive. You know why? Why is that? Kicking. Because we got a kicker who's not really kicked in Cleveland Brown Stadium, <laughs> and it's supposed to be like 50-mile-an-hour winds tomorrow. Yeah, that's a good call by you. It's going to be perfect conditions. If we need a kick, I think he'll be more com- yeah. uh, comfortable. He kicked in Detroit in the Dome, right? I mean, yeah. so he's used to those conditions. Well, not only that, and look, he, he won a wild-card game uh, last year uh, with a, uh, a late field goal, uh, which Bubba Ventrone pointed out. He kicked well in Detroit this year. Um, he's, he's been all right. Um, these last two weeks here. So that's a good call by you, Dustin. Hey, that's two for you in a day. You got Flacco jerseys, and you you got the kicker there. Good for you. It's called winning, Daryl. You're that's and you know what? You're a Buckeye. That's all you do. And the Buckeyes are winning today too, by the way. Yeah, you saw the news. I've the whole damn week. It's just, been a hell of a week for just, for, uh, for for Ohio. Just don't tell Anthony Lima. Um, <laughs> let me ask you. So I I Ooh. know this. I, I know is, is Harbaugh the Chargers coach yet? Has uh, that happened? No, but the odds on Harbaugh not being the NFL next year are actually now like minus one something. And earlier this week, they were like plus 700. So oh, okay. uh, the, the, he could be coming back. You never know here. You I did want to ask offer you. He can't refuse. I know this weekend you mentioned, uh, sorry, this weekend we, we know the, the uniform combo. If they wanted to, at any point, could the Browns pull out the, the white helmets in the playoffs? I believe they're allowed one game where they can do that. I'm not 100% sure on that, but we have seen uh, playoff games where uh, a throwback has been worn before. So I I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I have to double-check the that particular uniform rule, but my fingers are crossed we get to see it. I got to say I would want to save it for Baltimore, yeah. going into Baltimore in a hypothetical AFC title game if – uh, Miami and Pittsburgh also win this weekend, and you get a chance to get a home playoff game next week. You know what would look incredible, too, is the white helmet with the brown jersey and the white pants. Uh, so you know what we were into yesterday? The color rush brown with the white with helmet. With the white helmet. Yeah, yeah somebody, so, somebody did the combination on Madden. It looked it, pretty yeah, sick. Yeah, it looks really yeah. awesome. Yeah, though, that I think that white helmet's a game changer. Orange is a, it's a tough color. When you're talking about the world of fashion, and I believe me, know nothing about fashion, but uh, I do know that no. orange and brown is a very tough color combination. But that white helmet really it goes makes with almost any combination. Uniforms. It really does. It makes their stuff pop. So I hope they keep that helmet going forward. Daryl, it's prediction time. Let's do this. Uh, I've got the uh, I got the brownies winning. Uh, spreads minus two, correct? Yes, sir. All right, I got the Browns winning by four. Ooh, all right, but we got to get an actual score so we can write it down and talk. Uh, about let me uh, pull up my preview that I'm writing right now because I did write a score down. Um, Browns 31, Texans 27. All right, that is a very popular score for this. A lot of the the predictions are about 31, 27, 30, 24. Oh, we're going to see some points tomorrow. Buckle up. I'm ready for it. Uh, Daryl, great stuff, buddy. Excited. 
Just excited to have you here. Glad to see you're vibing as well. Have a great weekend, bud. You too. Enjoy the game tomorrow, guys. You as well. Daryl Ryder there brought to you by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. We got plenty to get to, but at Nick Wilson says, at Dustin Fox 37 social media reactions brought to you by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Uh, it's, it's, it's vibing time right now. Where are you at with this game? Josh, Michael, Brad, you guys next. And what they got wrong on the Browns already heading into this game, 92-3 the fan. In a way, I'm very glad, very glad it's the first game just so I can spend the rest of the weekend simmering. Because <laughs> if they win, oh, you think uh, Ken Carmen's attempts at burning uh, furniture are significant. It's going to be a weekend for your boy. Ken, uh, is Ken going to burn a couch again? I don't know. Can he get the, the couch out the door? I think that was the problem this last time. Well, I mean, now that he's lost all that weight. That's true. That's true. Well, no, I'm worried about him fitting through the door. I was gonna say, I think, I think he fit through the door no matter what. It was the couch oh, that was didn't the couch. fit through I the door. I think we're taking yeah. making a fat joke. No, no, he's that, no longer like a fat, fat, fatty fat. Yeah, I mean, he's looking really good. He looks he really is. Yeah. Um, and but and he's he's so weird about this stuff. But he didn't want to talk about it. It's just. Oh I no, just, he wants to talk about it. Well, yeah, but he wants you to talk about it, but he doesn't want to talk about it, so he can demur. That's just Ken being Ken. That is fair. That's fair. I really wish those guys would have would have found that Michael Stanley song because we what played song? it earlier. Here we go again. Remember, we played it earlier in the thing, and uh, you know, here we go again. Yeah, that one. Well, that one, because you know, it'd be nice to have other people on the station play that song. You know, let's go to the phones here. Two one six four seven four double zero nine two. Let's go with Josh in Grand River. What's up, buddy? What you got for us? So when I called in the other day, the rating that I was talking about Flacco was a 90.2% passing rating. The last time Joe Flacco had a 90.2% pass rating, he won a Super Bowl. That hype video that they put out today with Jim Donovan had has to be one of the greatest Cleveland sports hype videos of all time. I am right there in the field. I am so ready for this game. Let's go Browns. Very good, Josh. I'll I'll tell you. Um, if you guys haven't seen the Jim Donovan, uh, you know the the video of the Never Give Up man, like it just it is pretty darn good. Now the problem is try topping that for the next round. Like honestly, guys, the the tissues came out for this one. Uh, I I don't know anybody. I've not seen one person make it through the 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 Jim Donovan Browns video uh, with dry with a dry eye. We get to the Super Bowl. I'm gonna need like a, a therapy appointment to deal with it. If if we're gonna just keep escalating from here, let's go with Michael. Michael, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got for us? Hey guys, I th- I thought about making this call when I heard Dustin talk about getting the Flacco jerseys for his family. Yeah, I don't think I'm the only Cleveland Browns fan that believes this, but if Joe Flacco leads the Browns into Baltimore and we're wearing all white, even if it's the orange helmet, because that's what we wore in 64. And he avenges the move by beating Baltimore in front of that city. Don't give me chills right now, Michael. The f- Two weeks later, if we don't bring home the Lombardi Trophy, I will still smile all summer long about what a great season this was. Michael, point. we love where you're at. Yeah, good. One. 
I mean, I'd still be pretty crestfallen if you lost in the Super Bowl, but the point well, is... of course, it, yeah, but I mean, still, if you take the Browns to their first AFC Championship game, in how many years? Uh, AFC Championship game? Yeah. 88, uh, right? Because they're in the divisional round in 94, and that's when they got bounced Correct. out. The last... I think it was 88. With, with Bernie, with I think Bernie. it was 88, yeah. Because yeah. I have vague memories of that as a really young tyke and that's about as early as i can remember is 1988 but i do think like what he just said i mean what fills me with so much hope this year is that this year has and i I think we've talked about this a little bit it was 89 89 um this year has changed the way i browns fan and I no longer immediately throw down the remote and say this is BS when something goes poorly. I no longer assume that an injury means uh, we're we're no longer relevant. I I allow things to breathe a little bit. I mean, even on you know even on Mondays where we came in and it wasn't a Browns victory Monday, um, I didn't oh, I didn't overreact to losses to the same degree that I have previously. Because this team earned my trust in a way I can't recall. And I'll do I'll do respect to the 2020 team. I'm not trying to because uh, this is an extension of that, right? This it that this doesn't happen without that. Because that affords Kevin Stefanski four years. And that affords Kevin Stefanski the time to figure it out as a head coach. And that affords him time to realize Joe Woods wasn't the guy and Jim Schwartz was the guy. And there was time to bring in Bubba Ventrone. But I've never, I've, I just, guys, I haven't laughed cynically at the Browns this year the way that I have in previous years. They, they have made me realize that you can win consistently in the NFL and that, that drama doesn't necessarily mean the end of winning. And I just, there's a big part of me to kind of build on what Michael was saying that hopes that this off, that, that this uh, postseason is about continuing that work. Because if you get this win against the Texans, and whether you go to Baltimore next week or whether you would go in a hypothetical AFC title game, if you go through Baltimore, it it would be the sweetest in the AFC title game. And it would be so sweet for Joe, Mm -hmm. who took all all the, no pun intended, flack (laughs) when he was in Baltimore as not being elite and not being able to win the big game outside of, you know, some, some nice runs in the playoffs, especially that one year in 2012 how sweet for a guy who thought he was never going to put on the pads again well, to be able to make this run no offense gotta get through tomorrow no offense to joe how sweet for cleveland well yeah and i, I just it's 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 all encompassing because yes. they stole our team mm-hmm. and then their quarterback who won them their second super bowl yeah would then come beat their ass for us yeah. It's just all it's, well, it's just one big circle. And you'd be going through the best team uh, and the best chance Baltimore's had to win since 2019. And I think that's powerful. I think the idea of it's it's so many interlocking layers of Joe having played there and winning Super Bowl there. And they they you know, he was not happy when they moved on although he understands the business of it. There were some hard feelings there and he felt um he felt a lack of loyalty there, even though he's been very classy about it. Like, I remember reading about it at the time. Um, you know, then it's in Baltimore. Then it would be the divisional title game, or sorry, the divisional round or the AFC title game. And then it would be revenge for 94. And I'll be honest with you. I don't think there's ever anything that will make me truly forgive 
Art Modell from stealing this team. And honestly, we've let Baltimore off early. Uh, or let them off easy. Because I don't forgive a town that cried for a decade about having uh, another town steal their team in the dead of night. And then they did the same damn thing. And they wear those colors. They wear that. They they took the championship in 99 or 2000 that was built off the team that was really built off the assets that Cleveland had had with guys like our kicker, with guys like some of our offensive linemen, with some of our best players, that with with their PR staff and all that stuff. They stole a championship from Cleveland legitimately, and they wear those colors ironically. So this season, feel I mean, if there's any year where I would be confident going into Baltimore in a playoff game, if you get there, and beating that team in their own town with their own former franchise quarterback, it's this year. And that is, that's the kind of credit I can give to this team. Let's go with Brad. Welcome to the show, buddy. What you got for What's me? What's up, Brad? Hey, guys. Love the show. I'm a big fan. Um, I just wanted to call. I'll make it kind of short to piggyback on the Daryl conversation, I think, when he was talking about um, not every interception that was thrown <clears throat> uh, being at the, at the hand of Flacco, no pun intended. And then the fact that we have um, the – like the injuries and the shortcomings on defense as of recent, but they're they're plugging and playing as if nothing's happened. I think this year is the best year to execute the idea of not playing with our food. In 2020, that first game against Pittsburgh, it was the hottest start. Seemed like it was over midway into the second quarter. Very similar to the Jets game that just happened on Thursday night. But I think Kevin Stefanski's learned. I think... The captains on defense have learned. The players at Superman on offense have learned. If it's win or go home, and let's just ballpark throw it out that it's 20 to 10 going into halftime. It's comfortable. It's not safe, but it's comfortable. I think Stefanski's learned, shove it down their throat. And it's, and it's going one and oh, It's But you shove it down their throat, and then if we go to the divisional round, look, if Flacco's playing the way that he is, and we're humming like we've been humming, don't stop. Just don't don't stop. Put the pedal to the floor, and let's just show them who we really are. I appreciate you guys letting me call, and let's go. Go Browns. Go Browns, buddy. Great stuff, Brad. And I think, I think that's why earlier in the show I said I want to see the defense first. I want the defense to go out there and play with their hair on fire to start the game. And don't even give the Texans a chance to get in the game. Because I think there's a world in which if the defense comes out on fire and then you get that Joe Flacco, that first drive with Kevin Stefanski in the end zone, you can make this game more comfortable where you where you put all the pressure on them in front of their home fans. 216-474-0092. Final segment of our show coming up for today. Of course, we've got overtime with Jonathan Peterlin coming up from 9 to midnight tonight, but we want to hear from you guys <laughs> Vibe check. Jay Casey, the man with the great Flacco song. We're going to hear from him in a minute. Uh, David, Michael, Paul, all you guys Lock next on 92.3 The Fan. the lines. Let's go. But first, guess what tomorrow is? Oh, 